0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Good evening, everybody, and Drew, you are breathing a little loud, so if we can back that down real quick, we'll get the show started. Yes, sir. No problem. Absolutely. Well, if you don't hear my voice very often, I'm actually the producer, Thomas Watts. We are waiting on our ho- other host, Kerry Clark, who's actually coming back from a basketball event. Yeah. So we will have some basketball news here, but we have a, show, a busy show planned otherwise, because obviously there's a big game coming up this weekend. We've got a lot to talk about there. Drew, I have to tell you, I, I took the time today to sit down and watch the entire LSU Ole Miss game. And, you know, we'll get into this a little while later in depth, but LSU should have beaten those boys by two or three touchdowns. That was ugly. Did you have a chance to watch that game?
2: No. I, I To be honest, Thomas, I haven't watched the entire game. I mean, I saw some of the fourth quarter, saw Wallace implode. Uh, heard exactly what you heard. That Basically, LSU controlled it throughout. Um, you know, we missed on a lot of opportunities offensively that could have put the game away. But uh, we'll see. I mean, I think they're a lot better football team than when they played Auburn. I think some people are focusing too much on the Auburn game and saying, well, they're not a very good football team and, you know, Alabama should win this game by double digits. It's going to be the usual Alabama LSU. It's going to be a fist fight. Uh, It's going to come down to who turns the ball over and who uh, plays the best football. Uh, you know Gary Danielson compared it to 2010. I think you can I think you can make that comparison a little bit, uh, though. I do think this this group is not as talented as that one was, uh, but I think it's a better football team, and uh, I think they're uh, more together. I think this LSU group is not as talented either as that 2010 group, which you saw what they did the next year. But I still think LSU's got a lot of talent. They're just most of it's just true freshmen and uh, sophomores, but. I still think it's going to be a very interesting game, and uh, I think it will be a four-quarter fight.
1: No, I, I would be absolutely inclined to agree with you. If uh, the, my, my one statement I will say is if Alabama wins by 10 to 15 points-ish, I will be dancing a jig. Right. Just just straight up. So I'm going to bring on Kerry, but uh, – in terms of our show, Drew, I, I know I, I actually advertised that Redfish was going to be coming on with us, but right. he, he, had, he had to cancel. Do so we have we're, have, were we able to secure Murph Baldwin, or are we just, yes. is this going to be two yeah. hours
2: Great. Murph Baldwin will be on with us at 8.30. He was an excellent, um, was an excellent uh, standby for us, uh, and I really appreciate and thank him for that. Uh, I told him, I guess, you know, today we were trying to set up some some shows, and uh, you know, we got a little bit of our wired, wires crossed early, but then I told him, I guess I said, I guess it was meant to be, man. I said, uh, we'd really like to have you on to break this down. And the good part is he was writing an article today uh, about this very game, so he should have some excellent knowledge for us.
1: Absolutely. That's exciting. Well, I'm going to go on and take off my, my, my general talking hat and pass this show over to Kerry Clark, who has joined us. Kerry, how you doing this evening?
3: Just fine, just fine. Sorry I'm late. i uh Went to an engagement downtown Birmingham tonight and heard uh, Anthony Grant and Jared Haas of UAB and uh, Chuck Person, assistant coach at all, talking about uh, basketball and the state of Alabama and the SEC and Conference USA and all that good stuff. So a uh, little bit late, but uh, we, we were able to swing it, and a uh, good job, Drew, on getting uh, Murph as a as a fill-in, a good hitter to have, and a, a man that certainly knows his X's and O's, and it's a good week to talk X's and O's.
2: Yeah, Absolutely.
3: So tonight uh, we are going to be previewing the uh, LSU Tigers. So uh, obviously we're going to have Murph Ball in this hour, and then next hour we'll get a, a scouting report from our own Thomas Watts. Uh, but we do appreciate everyone for joining us here tonight on BAMS Radio. And uh, always fun time of the week for Drew and Thomas and myself, including for our guests and our listeners. And uh, certainly we want to invite everybody to call us on the Big Head Barbecue Hotline. You can call in and ask your questions at 714-510-3707. Again, that number, 714-510-3707. That's the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline brought to you by Big Heads Old Fashioned Barbecue. Go big or go home. You can uh, read about them at their website, bigheadsbbq.net. You can uh, look at them on Twitter, at Big Heads BBQ. You can email Chuck, the owner. That's uh, bighead at net. And i tell you what, if you want some good barbecue ribs or chicken or brisket or pork or uh, what he calls the triple threat, which is a piece of pork with a little sausage in the middle wrapped in bacon, drizzled in Chuck's homemade Big Head Barbecue sauce it's good stuff. He is the official barbecue sponsor of BAM's Radio, and he also sponsors our, again, we want you to give us a call and ask us any questions you got about Alabama football, LSU football, Alabama basketball. Whatever else you want to talk about, the number one more time 714 510 3707. And uh, Drew, they may have a few uh, fillings and teeth and pieces of skin and who knows what else left on uh, the field at Tiger Stadium in Death Valley when it's all said and done about Central Saturday night. Smash mouth football, friend.
2: Oh, yeah, it's going to be, you know, old-school SEC football. Uh, You'll see a lot of Alabama and regular defense, uh, which means that Dylan Lee will be, you know, back outside like he was against Arkansas. And I think the key is going to be, you know, Alabama's going to have to slow down Leonard Fournette, you know, slow down the LSU running game, make those guys one-dimensional, make Anthony Jennings beat them up top. And offensively, uh, you know, obviously – LSU's had a little bit of trouble stopping the run, and, but they have the number one ranked secondary in the SEC. But in, in any camp, in any anyway, if that doesn't really matter. Then, I mean, the stats are all well and good. What Alabama's got to do offensively is attack. Uh, they've got to attack, and uh, I think be balanced, mix it up on first down, use Blake Sims, you know, to help the running game, and with his uh and with his improvisations with his with his feet. And uh, I think you know that Amari Cooper will have a chance to make some plays, but other guys like DeAndre White. Maybe finally O.J. Howard will step it up. He he did last year in this game. So they're just going to need some other pieces to step up. T.J. should be good to go. Uh, Derrick Henry, in my opinion, will be very important in the game, and the backs in the passing game will be important. So I just think Alabama needs to be, you know, uh, you know multifaceted offensively is the best way to put it. And uh, if they attack LSU, mix up the play calling. If Lane Kiffin doesn't get too cute, then, but still keeps LSU off balance, I think Alabama can win the game in the fourth
3: quarter. And, Drew, uh, the offensive line may not be the one we're accustomed to. Uh, Cam Robinson is making progress every day. We saw him a show last week we thought he'd be back for state, and that's mm-hmm. still the gut feeling. But oh no. He, he, no, he's made a dramatic recovery, and he actually took a few reps with the ones today. But he yeah. took a lot of reps with the twos both days. If it, the understanding I have, and of course you've got your own sources, but my understanding is they will try to start the game with Austin Shepard at left tackle, Grant Hill at right tackle, and if they're able to have success, they're going to try to hold Camp in this game as badly as he wants to play against his home state Tigers. Uh, they want to make double sure that he's ready for Mississippi State. However, if Alabama struggles running the ball early, I will not be surprised if if uh, he's feeling good Saturday to see a little bit of cam this week
2: well based upon you know what i've heard early in the week and and I you know he he did he he's 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 participating in drills uh every day but you know once the media viewing period was over on monday he was put in the black jersey did not take any reps um i don't think i just think it's too soon for them to try to get him back he's had a, a really quick recovery had the surgery ryan kelly finally confirmed what we what alabama intel reported the day after the game uh that he did have the surgery. He made a great recovery. Um but I just don't think I don't think he's gotten enough practice time. He did take a few reps with the ones today. I think I have Saban's playing mind games at the last. I think Alabama will, will go with Austin Shepherd and Grant Hill. It's what they have worked on for two weeks. They decided in during the bye week that Austin Shepard was a, a better uh, the way he, he had done it one played left tackle on a scrimmage. You and I saw that and he uh last spring and they felt more comfortable with him than Leon or Brown, and they decided to put Leon back at right guard and let Grant start, and they've always been high on Grant. He played pretty well against Texas A&M when called upon when Shep was hurt, and I think they decided during the bye week that that was going to be the best lineup. They've gone with that this week, and I know Cam Robinson badly wants to play against you know his home state school, and he'll get the chance to in the future, but I don't look for him to play this week. I look for them to go with that lineup. If something happened where they weren't playing well, I think they would go back with Leon and Bozeman. Uh, if they had to, and Grant would go back to the bench. But I think they're confident in this group, and I do think now that we have seen where Cam is this week, it bodes very well for the future, and I think there's a very, very good chance we will be back in the lineup against Mississippi State uh, November 15th.
3: Regarding running the ball, uh, LSU's defense, their front seven, is normally – very astute at stopping the run, but this year, they're ranked uh, high 50s, I think, in the country in in rushing defense, so even with a makeshift patchwork offensive line that has has been together just a week and a half, I I think there's a decent chance Alabama can have success running the ball early Saturday.
2: Well, I think they could, but I think the big key is if they come out balanced, and I know how how highly rated LSU's secondary is, but I, I have full confidence in Blake Sims. I think he's come a long way since that Arkansas uh, game, the performance on the road that wasn't too good, and old Miss. I think he's a lot more, com- you know, comfortable. They've made, I've made a big thing out of just saying that LSU's improved as a football team since Auburn. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but I think Alabama's improved as well. And I think, you know, there's been a the, – I, I, I heard Pat Forty today and his Yahoo breakdown. He he basically said LSU would win because it was at night in Baton Rouge. Didn't it's really right get of football. Yeah, just you know, tremendous breakdown of the positions and the usual BS from a lot of the national media. I hate to say that, but he he uh, Pat Forty is a, it can be a nice guy. I've heard some good things about him, but I also when I when I hear somebody basically that would be kind of like me if I was breaking down a Big East basketball game. If I just you know had seen each team for a couple of highlights and said, okay, Villanova's at home, so they're going to beat Rutgers. Um, I, you know, I would have liked to have heard you know some reasons. I, I think he's seen both teams play. I mean, uh, I would, you know, kind of break it down for me a little bit, Pat. But I just think Alabama's the better football team. I do think LSU will be tough at home than they usually are, no doubt about it. But uh, you know, I had a I had an LSU fan uh, at the end of last week say, "Well, basically, Bama's done. You know, they're coming to where dreams come to die in Baton Rouge, Louisiana." And I said, "Well, you know, AJ McCarron and Kevin Norwood said hello," and then he said, "Well, that's not this team." And I said, well, he said this is this year's team. I said you're very you're correct, but guess what? Alabama's all-time record is in Red Stick, 24-9-1. So uh, I don't really think Alabama and Alabama's won the last uh, game in Red Stick. They've had success with Nick Saban there, winning two of the last three, uh, and they've all been close games. I don't think I don't expect that to change Saturday, but I like Alabama's chances if they play well. I don't even think it's going to be as close as people
3: are making it. Out. I think Alabama wins along the lines of twenty-eight seventeen. I really do.
2: Well, I said twenty-seven seventeen. I'm I'm right there with you, Kerry. I I do think they'll have to put it away in the fourth quarter. But I think Alabama's the better football team, and you know I, I, I know no about that. I you know and I know it comes down to quarterback play, and I know people could say that both quarterbacks are inexperienced, but Blake has now played several games. Jennings has been in and out of the lineup. Of course, they're always going to inevitably say he could have a Jordan Jefferson moment, you know. And and uh, but the real reason that worked is because LSU ran the ball for 200 yards that day. If Alabama gives up 200 yards rushing to LSU, they're going to be in trouble. But if they stop the run and they, I, I, you know, and I expected them to slow Arkansas down, but they completely shut Arkansas down after the first two quarters. If they can slow LSU down, and LSU has a very good offensive line, much like Arkansas. But if Alabama can slow down LSU and make Jennings try to beat them, Jennings is not even as good as Jordan Jefferson, and so I think they can turn him over and have some success. And Thomas pointed
3: out they're sixty
2: third LSU in the country in rush defense, so they can be yeah. run
3: on. But basically, when you're talking about the two quarterbacks in this game, uh, which one is nominated for the Davey O'Brien Award?
2: Blake uh, Sims. Yeah, it's not. And you. who? I mean, and who? Who? Who would have thought that? Six months ago, as I tweeted Monday. Oh, no, nobody! And then, who would have thought if he continues to play like he has, that he has a legitimate shot, Kerry Clark, at throwing for three thousand yards? Mm-hmm. Who would have, if you had bet that at the start of the season and hit it, you might not. You might could have retired. I wouldn't have thought he'd done it as a four-year starter. I,
3: I, I mean, he's had a good. phenomenal year.
2: Uh right. he's, he's gotten um,
3: to where he's running the ball a little more now, which makes him uh, something else people have to have to uh, scheme for. Uh, Blake, you know. I keep I keep making the DJ Shockley, but yes. no DJ Shockley waited five years to start for Georgia, yes. and he took them to uh, the last SEC championship title they've won, two thousand five. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of which, did Mark Rick just step in it again or what?
2: <laughs> well, and and then I hate to to, to pile on a homeboy and a, and a good friend of. Uh, of, of of what would have been our guest tonight and, and my partner, but uh I, our Bama boy Jeremy Pruitt did not have his guys ready to play. Uh they hey, look Drew he lost to an eighteen year old that with one pass in the second half. Right. I mean they, they gave up hello, four hundred and ten yard rushes man. I mean lined up that? and lined up,
3: hit him in the mouth and they didn't respond. And yeah, I said that's... it on Twitter and I'll say it again tonight. Back on a hot, steamy day in August when temperatures were in the 90s, uh, 13 SEC teams had two days. One went to a water park. There you go. Team building exercise. I'm going to give them the boys a day off. They've been working hard. Well, they got worked hard Saturday. And as a result, Drew, whoever emerges from the West, and we hope it's Alabama, we think it can be Alabama, chances are now very strong that they're going to be playing Missouri again.
2: Uh, It's crazy. I, I just gotta you know, that could end up very easily happening. Uh you know, we'll see. Missouri's still got some hurdles to get over, but I will say this. You've gotta really give it to Gary Pinkle and his staff, and they don't get a lot of five star guys. Matter of fact, he had to kick the one, one of the five star one of the probably the biggest recruit of his tenure off the team. He's now sitting out at Oklahoma. But if he gets to Atlanta two years in a row, that's just an amazing stuff. I mean he just he and his staff do a great job of player development and you know they did lose 34 nothing to Georgia at home but you know they they were able to rally and beat South Carolina they you know they beat Vandy in an ugly game but all that matters is winning and now they have a chance against Texas A&M who's not playing great football and then and then they go to Tennessee Tennessee's riding riding their ship with Josh Dobbs but that's another game that you know it it'll be a winnable game for them and then you know and then they're at home for their finale against Arkansas so well, i
3: mean but, but, okay but, can but, happen
2: but, Right, but do you see the Georgia team you saw Saturday beating the Auburn team you saw Saturday? Oh, I mean, the only the one thing you have to take into account is they'll have Todd Gurley back and be at home. And so they'll be, much like the emotion was with Georgia, or I mean, excuse me, Florida trying to save Muschamp, there'll be a lot of emotion with Todd Gurley back. But, you know, it's going to take a superhuman effort from Gurley and a much better effort from Georgia defensively to to beat the Auburn Tigers. I mean, and the one thing that I question with Georgia, and you saw it Saturday, Kerry, is Hudson Mason. I think he's limited. I'll go ahead and say it, and nobody would have said this in the preseason. You look at Matt Mock, you look at uh, at Hudson Mason, and you look at Blake Sims, who's had the best season? Oh, Blake, by far. There you go. And everybody Missouri, said that,
3: You know who Missouri reminds me of? It reminds me of a Stallings Alabama team.
2: A little bit, yeah. They just right on
3: and great on defense. Uh, they don't have quite the running game that some of Gene's teams have, but but they they beat Florida a couple of weeks ago strictly on special teams and defense. It had oh, nothing yeah. to do with their offense. Their offense was poor, oh. uh, but they 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 win games a lot like ninety one Alabama did.
2: Yeah, and they don't turn the ball over. That's what I mean.
3: Yeah. If Matt Malk I, you is,
2: know, is careful with the ball, then they're in good shape.
3: That can beat almost anybody. Uh, yeah. I looked at their schedule,
2: too, and I think they're in really good shape. It's just going to depend. You know, Tennessee has got Dobbs back, so they're more potent offensively. If they still had Worley, I would almost guarantee it because Tennessee was struggling. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if the game is in Knoxville. And then, of course, you know, I don't think it's 100%. You know, I think they can beat Texas A&M on the road. But, you know it's just gonna it's gonna kinda of depend on how bad A and M gets beat this weekend 'cause that's they're gonna be bloody this week. That could be.
3: 'cause
2: that, they're that, that, that
3: game in Auburn Saturday it could be seventy six to thirteen. I mean it,
2: Because that t- that Texas A and M team is close to coming apart. I mean they quit that, that performance against Monroe was pathetic. I think they just got quite I mean, you know. It was awful. It, yeah it was. There's no it doubt It was
3: almost two thousand seven Alabama awful, not quite.
2: Yes. Agreed. I mean, I, I I think they'll probably get beat badly. And so, with their mindset, you would think, you know, Missouri would have a really good chance. So, Missouri may be able to, you know, pounce on an opportunity. And, and who would have ever thought it? Because much like last year, Karen, they were picked near the bottom of the division. And uh, they've, you know, proven a lot of people wrong. It was uh, tough. I don't, I don't know if you
3: bit the bullet or not, but I did bite the bullet Saturday night for three and a half hours because I wanted Alabama to control its own destiny. <laughs> And I did pull for Auburn to beat Ole Miss. I'm not ashamed to say that. It was strictly based on wanting to go to Atlanta because I, I you know, Cecil Hurt and a lot of other people that have studied the situation don't think the SEC is going to get the one team. Right. And I did not want to be the 11-1 and one Alabama sitting at home that didn't get to go to Atlanta and get that extra win that they're going to need to get into the tournament. So that's why I pulled for Auburn to beat Ole Miss. Well, it's sickening the way that Ole Miss lost the game. I really hate it for Treadwell. So oh yeah, Kenya Drake treatment, and then the damn Opelika paper puts it on the front page of their sports section. Truly, truly classless move by them. And speaking of classless, Drew, how about Jameis Winston's attorney revealing the victim's
2: name today on Twitter? I mean, that's just. <laughs> Are you sure? Are you kidding me?
3: Thomas, pro law guy, jump in here, Thomas Watts. What do you think about this? This David Cornwell, no relation to our quarterback, releasing the victim's name on Twitter today.
1: It, I think There are no words No, there, there, they're, it's certainly an ethics breach And I, I like To think that someone Is going to push the Florida bar To investigate something like that What this The whole thing was, it is a bullying tactic It's a chance, it's, it's like Now that her name's out there If she has a Twitter account, all the crazy Florida State fans Are going to harass her And it really frustrates me because no matter, like right now, okay, fine, Jameis Winston is innocent and still proven guilty. I, I'll I will jump on that bandwagon, but if he's not, if he raped her, you're harassing a rape victim. Like there there are not very many lower forms of humanity than that in my mind. So I, when I saw it, I was just like, you got to be kidding me. And I hope, 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 hope. That Cornwell gets brought up on ethics charges. I mean, I wouldn't be against someone like that getting disbarred and having, you know, a, a, a great law practice that he can't do anything else with. It also would kind of mess with Carlos Williams's case. So FSU certainly, probably, okay, not certainly probably. It's a terrible phrase. FSU certainly wouldn't want to see that, and I hope that someone in the athletics department has said, "Dude, no, this is a bad idea. Don't do that." One would hope.
2: We don't well, well, I'll say this, Thomas. I just sounds like a clown lawyer for a clown like Jameis. I don't, but I'll say this. I, I talked to a Florida State graduate who was at the Tennessee Alabama game and who's seen who read through a lot of the reports. Of course, you don't know, you know who <laughs> those. He, 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 he the reports he told me about were from the police, but as we all know, the cops are in concert with the Florida State. You know, at a football program. He told me that there was a lot of evidence in there that you know that Jameis did not do it, that it was consensual, and all this other thing. But I, I hate to, to, to foreshadow things like this, but with the way Jameis has acted since the incident happened over a year ago, and it's really almost two years now, I guess. I I hate to speak like this, but I think no matter, I think something did happen. It may not have been, you know. I guess it has to be either or. I, I've always thought that it really that he did, and I, based upon the way, I mean, saying what he said on the table after getting through something like that, even if you didn't do something, the way he has acted is just like I'm Jameis Winston. I'm a big time football player. I can do whatever I want, and I just think honestly that he did do it. That he probably his teammates probably joined in and that the police have been in concert with him. I know the reports that were out there, yada, 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 but to me it's all slanted toward FSU. And, I mean, the only way that you could ever get to the truth is if you had someone come out of state and and do the investigation like the FBI or something. But, I mean, I just don't – I never trusted the investigation to begin with. And then to release her name, that is just absolutely
1: Bush League. Well, uh, let me just jump in here because I need to call Murph. It's real easy to make it look that way when yeah. the New York Times and Fox Sports have stuff that said that the police gave the athletic department a copy of the report and forwarded it to the lawyer so that he could go to Jameis' teammates and make oh, yeah. sure the story matched up. I mean, oh, it's, of course. It's, it's real easy to play battleship when your opponent's bi- blindfolded and you just look around it, and that's essentially what happened in this case.
3: Oh, what yeah, that's no doubt it. And by the way, I'm not a lawyer, but Thomas, you know more about the law than I do. The last I checked, passed out, does not equal consent.
1: Oh, it doesn't? No. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> Yeah. Not. Thank you, sir.
3: Well, we'll get back to Alabama. That was just a little bit of a rant I had. I thought that was just uh, really just lower than ant poop. But uh, hey, back to Alabama, LSU. So, uh, you know, LSU has played some good football in the last month. Uh, they started out pretty poorly. Uh, they have been improving lately. Uh, Leonard Fournette has become more of a part of the offense. Uh, yes. He's he's had some, some big games. Uh, he's uh, Travion Doral is as good a receiver, in my opinion, not named Amali Cooper in our conference. I, I would put him up there with, with Duke Williams, Sammy Coates, whoever you want to name, the pre-injury Laquan Treadwell. He's a very, very good receiver.
2: Drew, how do you think we're going to defend the route? I wouldn't be surprised if Nick Saban, you know, changed things up. I think he'll bracket him a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if he took somebody. I think Landon Collins will be down in the box a lot of times. I think he'll he'll move him around. But I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, of course, uh, he'll have, probably have Cyrus Jones on him. And I wouldn't even be shocked if he if he used another one of the safeties like you know, Jarek Williams, Geno Smith, somebody like that to shadow him. Uh, you know, I think they'll try to man him up early and then switch to, to some zone. And I think they'll just kind of try to see where they're it's going to. De- I think they're going to get a – what they're going to try to get is see how their pass rush is. If they can affect the quarterback, I don't think they'll try to double him all the time. But it's going to depend on if they can get to Jennings and affect him. Because, as you've seen, Jennings has improved, but he's still inaccurate with the football some. Yeah, and I, I think uh, – I agree. I think
3: Alabama's pass rush has just come a million miles since last year. Oh, and, of course. Uh, I, I think that's going to be on display uh, in, in, in full spectrum this Saturday night. Uh, I, I feel – obviously, it's a little scary anytime you go into a hostile environment like that with a first-year starter quarterback. But at the same time, I, I feel like that the chemistry – and the leadership on this team is, has has come a, a million miles since Oxford. And I feel like this is a, a game where, quite frankly, Alabama's going to make a statement. I really do. I said 28-17, but it could end up being, you know, 34 to 14. I've seen some picks like that. Uh, I, I I think Alabama wins this game, and I, I think by the middle of the fourth quarter we're,
2: we're breathing easy. I really do. I hope so. You know, I'm more of – inclined to think in the latter parts of the fourth quarter and, you know, we're fixing to have our guest on here in a few minutes, Murph Baldwin and he told me this afternoon when he was writing up his article, he said, you know, I really, I'm kind of worried for Bama. I think this is, you know, a big time matchup and we agreed on the talking points about what, you know, Bama needed to do offensively to attack LSU. Be interested to hear what he has to, what his take is on it. Uh, You know, I think it's a dangerous game. It's just going to come down to Blake needs to play with confidence. They need to turn it loose and he just needs to protect the football. If Alabama protects the football, they're going to win. If they turn it over, and they did that in 2010, and Gary Danielson was comparing the 2010 games quite a bit, and that was the reason Alabama lost that game. They just they it got out too coached much. That day. And then you know they, and they made, coached. and then we made mental errors. Uh, you know with you know D. Milliner on some coverages and stuff like that. You know he just made some mistakes, and uh, Alabama you know lost a close one to LSU. You'd have to stay at home on a reverse on fourth down. Okay. Yeah, that was a heck of a gutty call. Was that wants... was a
3: great call. oh that's yeah, a call I wish we'd have used in Jordan-Hare last year, but that's a whole new yeah. segment. Uh, but, hey, uh, I, we're uh, going to be joined by a very prestigious guest here in just about a minute or two. and That'll be a lot of fun because he knows more football than all of us do. Uh, sometimes Thomas can give him a run for his money, but he, uh, he knows <laughs> I sure as heck can't. And uh, i tell you, before before we bring on Murph, let me just tell you all a little bit about the event I went to tonight that caused me. Right, right. I went to an event that was sponsored by the Birmingham Tip-Off Club held at the Iron City Grill downtown Birmingham, and it featured uh, Anthony Grant uh, of Alabama, Jared Haas of UAB, and uh, Bruce Pearl couldn't make it because he had back surgery. He did a video of his home, but he did send Chuck Person, who is actually a very funny guy. And uh, they talked basketball, and they, they uh, gave a little previews about their teams and things like that. And uh, second hour, I'll uh, share some information I picked up from another talk that Grant made yesterday in Tuscaloosa to the tip-off club there, and it was much more revealing. Tonight was kind of more, you know, rah-rah, everybody needs to support these teams, high school basketball coaches, Uh, Teach your guys to dribble (laughs) Uh, Show person Teach them to dribble, teach them to pass They need to know (laughs) that by the time we get them Pretty funny Uh, But Grant said some things yesterday At a a tip-off meeting in Tuscaloosa That were were very uh, interesting And I got a summary of that from someone who was there And I'll share that in the second hour Um, But um, Apparently we have got our guests ready And Drew, I will let you introduce Our next man to join us on the Big Head Barbecue Hotline
2: well, you know, this will be his third appearance with us. He's going to be a fixture in the latter part of the season because, you know, his his game, his, his expertise is breaking down X's and O's. And Alabama's got, you know, in the next four weeks, they got three really, really big, you know, national matchups. And the first one will be in Red Stick Saturday night in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And it's the one and only Atlanta's finest, Murph Baldwin, from Saturday down south to join BAM's radio again. Murph, thanks for coming in tonight for about a half hour. Uh, I appreciate you, appreciate you coming on with us again, man.
4: I appreciate you having me back. You know, I love being on bands radio, and I like that Atlanta's Finest term, too. You know what I
2: mean? Oh, yeah. Atlanta's now fine. we just wish we could fix the Falcons. That's all oh, we need to uh, do. Yeah. Oh, oh, wow. That's a story for another day,
4: buddy. That ain't happening anytime yeah. soon.
2: Yeah, we, 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 get we, do, we could take a whole there. two hours to talk that. Yeah. exactly. We, yeah. we got to get a Daniels new stop.
3: Bring them both. <laughs>
2: wow but uh you know need need to fix the falcons but let's just but first let's talk about the guy i know you were doing an article today with your breakdown on lsu and alabama and, and you told me this afternoon you thought you know you were a little bit nervous for alabama because this is you know a big time matchup and lsu is a young football team has come a long way you know in the last uh, month so what is your take so far on what you've seen and break, broken down on this matchup
4: oh man the thing i love about lsu less like you said they're a young team and um that's always a scary proposition when those young teams get a little bit more seasoned and they start clicking on all cylinders i mean they they definitely have a lot of holes in their teams and um a lot of holes at some well, a couple of holes at some key positions but they also have the type of scheme that i think that could um that could give them a fit if they get it rolling and uh, the type of personnel that they recruit is um i mean in full disclosure like um you know i'm a huge Nick Saban fan and I grew up playing defensive back. And I always wanted to play um, for Nick Saban. Of course, he's the premier defensive backs coach. You know, I'm a big Belichick, anybody off the Belichick, Bill Parcells tree. So, following Nick Saban's career everywhere. So, of course, when he was in LSU, man, I was all about some Nick Saban and some LSU and um, the type of defensive backs he was recruiting there. And, um,. And they haven't stopped ever since he left with Les Miles. He kept it rolling. Uh, I love the brand of football that they bring in. They're just strictly smash mouth and power isos and traps and counters and going in between the tackles and stuff like that. So um, it's time to bring that hard hat. I mean, Alabama's the – I think they're the number one ranked rushing defense in the SEC, or if not possibly in the top five in the country, definitely. And um, they're going to get that tested. And then with that being tested, of course – you also got a scheme from Cam Cameron and the LSU Tigers where they're going to pound it in between the tackles, and of course, they're going to take those shots deep. So, if you think that we're having trouble, Alabama's having trouble stopping some of the long balls and stuff like that. Like um, I heard Kerry talking earlier about uh, Trayvon Doral and um, being able to go deep like that. So, there's a conundrum right there if you're talking about bracketing him, which I think will be a huge mistake because you're going to, unless you're able to stop that run game with just six, seven people, which I think might be pretty tough, you know. I think LSU's offensive line is also starting to come together, and they got some hosses on there, man. They got some first-round first round picks, first- and second-round picks on that. So um, bracketing him will be kind of tough, but it's like you said, man, if they move him around and, and different things like that, you're going to have to first and foremost concentrate on that run game. So I don't think they're going to put the ball in the air very much unless they're, of course, being stopped.
3: Well, Mark, you were uh, among the first to warn us about what could possibly happen in Oxford. and if, But having done the research you've done now, do, obviously this is sort of a trap game for Alabama because it, it is, you know, she's <laughs> played so much better the last month. But if Alabama cleans its game up and doesn't turn the ball over, doesn't have so many penalties like they did in Knoxville, don't you feel Alabama's got a good chance of success?
4: I, I think Alabama is the best team in the country, but with that being said, these these other teams get paid to play ball too. I mean, I get paid. These other teams are on scholarship too. <laughs> I don't want to bring that up or anything like that. But um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, just on any given day, I do think that if you line up Alabama against anybody in the country, that they should be able to beat them. You know, a home or away. But um, there's just some teams that I think that are just they're just very talented as well, and LSU is one of them. Like I said before, with the um with the old Miss. You know, I saw that coming. And, um, <laughs> you know, I had to get that brag in there, Drew. Um, I saw that coming because it, they they look like Alabama. I mean, they're they're these teams are just looking like Alabama now, you know. They might not have the depth Alabama has, but they look like that as far as being able to execute and, and the type of players they're bringing out of the first-round picks. And like I've always said, if anybody recruits as well as Alabama, it's LSU. If not, better in certain aspects and stuff like that. So they have some stuff that could give Alabama fits as well. Um, if you talk about on the other side of the coin, um, how, they can defend, how they can defend Amari Cooper. Um, they got like literally you probably have four or five guys that are going to be playing defensive back in the NFL. That should be some high-round draft picks whenever they come out. And they got some guys that might not be high-round picks, but I, I, just by studying their skill set, they may end up becoming stars at the next level like a Jalen Collins. I really like that kid. Six foot two kid like that with that length, man. He's breaking up passes left and right, and um, so yeah. So they, I mean, suppose they're able to, to um, to limit Amari Cooper kind of like Ole Miss did. And so, and then where do we go from there? It's going to be relying on the run game, and um, they they do pretty decent against the run. They got some good athletes up front on the defensive, as far as the defensive personnel goes. So um yeah that's what I'm saying man a lot of these teams are just matching up well with Bama because Bama has set such a high standard that a lot of people you just got to try to match that and and this, this may be the time these these next couple of years or so but um Bama's retooling and and so are these um a lot of these other teams
2: well Murph and I I just want to also have what give you give have you give your take obviously we haven't spoken with you since the Ole Miss game and. That was a heck of a you know matchup, and Ole Miss earned that victory, and uh, you know they outplayed Alabama. Alabama made a nice late run in the second half, but basically got outplayed. And uh, but I think Blake Sims has come a long way since that Ole Miss and Arkansas game. I felt like at Tennessee, uh, he played a really good football game. Was really good on third down. Was very poised. Uh, I just wanted to get your take on how you see him playing against his LSU defense. Cause I just think, you know, you and I talked about it this afternoon. I really think Alabama's going to have to be multidimensional in this game. And Blake will be front and center in that regard, especially making plays with his feet and being able to improvise. Do you see his skill set of being successful against LSU? Uh-huh. Um,
4: well, I'm a big, big Blake Sims fan, of course. And, um, And I think that uh, he has surprised a lot of people, you know. I mean, if you look at his QBR, and he's one of the top-ranked QBs in the entire country, and he's shown that every every single thing that people have put in front of him, he's able to accomplish. Uh, They said he couldn't throw the deep ball, and he's throwing that like it ain't nothing anymore. And um, he really looks like a leader. I like how how he commands the huddle and... I like some of his tempo. He does make some mistakes, but, I mean, what is he, eight, nine games into his career playing? So, I mean, he's still pretty much a freshman as far as um, being the leader of a, sig- a signal caller of a football team. So, I mean, he, he's got a gr- great skill set, and um, it works well for what they're doing in, in, in a modernized West Coast offense. But against LSU, I, uh, it's it's going to be a tough one, I, I feel, for him just because of that secondary um, the uh, but the, I mean, what's funny about that, the last time I thought about that was Florida secondary. I'm like, man, those guys got some hosses over there, too. But as the season has gone on, I've gotten a chance to really study those guys. Like, those guys have talent over there, but they're not quite seasoned. I think these guys at LSU, man, are three, four deep with guys that, that, that can play. So I wonder if these receivers, if they're able to um, not have to dedicate extra attention to Amari Cooper, the best player in the country. If they're able to dedicate extra attention to the run game and slow that down, then where does that leave Blake Sims? I mean, that's why it's great to have that added dimension of being a really mobile quarterback that can manufacture first downs. I mean, they have linebackers that can fly to the ball. They could, they could probably even spy him with the Quan Alexander, somebody like that that can run. And they're very stout in the interior line. The Lockator kid, um, he can play. He's, a, he's very stout at the point of attack. And – um. Yeah, I mean, his skill set is definitely something to behold as far as um, being able to have that added dimension. But I just think it might be a little bit tougher for him at, on the road, nighttime in Death Valley. He hasn't been – I mean, the Tennessee one, he played great against Tennessee. He had some mistakes there, too, that were kind of covered up. But I don't think Tennessee, they don't remotely have the type of secondary that LSU has. And I
1: don't know.
4: I like that, like that old Miss secondary. I think they have a secondary that's kind of comparable to LSU's, but I think LSU's is even better. They have safeties. They have just as good as safeties, or well, maybe not as good as Kobe Pruitt, but they got good safeties, but they got some serious cornerback play, and they able to rotate those guys. And they have a lot of team speed with that um, the defense that they play, with that extra defensive back that they put in. They're in a four-two-five, so um It's going to be tough, man, a lot of speed on the field, some good coverage guys on the field. Uh, I don't know his way to go with that one, man, but I I feel that he may may struggle in this game.
1: Well, Murph, given that Blake Sims, you believe he will struggle, and I'm kind of in the same camp, watching the LSU-Ole Miss game, Ole Miss burned LSU's defense because it does play aggressive. Do you see Lane Kiffin being able to set up some sort of zone read or a misdirection type offense where they attack the edges and get LSU flowing one way and then attack a different way off stuff like reverses or whatnot. There was a big one in the first quarter that probably should have been a touchdown that L- that old Miss popped on LSU that really stood out to me. Yeah, that's that's, that's
4: a good one by you there, Thomas. I definitely think that they should um put in some counter plays and some counter traps and different stuff like that. Because like you said, when you have a fast defense – those guys are quick and aggressive, and and they will fly to the ball. So, I mean, I played on defenses like that that were defensive back centric, and and I felt like if the play was going the way that it was supposed to go, if it was going play side, that um that we were really good at that. But if when they call in the misdirections and the counters and stuff like that, and your reverses or or um your toss counters and, and different things like that, we would struggle. We eventually catch up to the play, but we were just flying so hard to the play that we're definitely we're susceptible to that um I think that would be, that would be definitely be great on you um I was King and Drake was playing that that would be the guy you would want to do that uh, I think Yeldon can do it but I'm I'm not sure if that would be Derrick Henry's forte sometimes when you try to get him out to the edges like that he he, he kind of struggles so um uh, yeah if King and Drake was on there I th- I think that would be perfect but yeah it might be time to use some of those receivers and put Amari on there like they did at the beginning of that Tennessee game, probably try to bring that play back out, or just get a lot of um, some of the receivers involved as in far as getting them to the edges. Or, But, yeah, so um, you know, as far as the running backs they have right now, I'm not sure if they're good counter game runners. But if they can be, that would definitely be be great. That's a great call by you, man.
1: I do have one other question. and uh, As I told you when I was talking to you in the back chat, I've been watching a bunch of game tape. For this one. And what stood out to me between Auburn and Ole Miss, LSU has really stepped up their short passing game to running backs to the point that I believe ESPN has a graphic where they completed more passes in the three games preceding Ole Miss to running backs than wide receivers. Obviously, Alabama is going to have to go heavier to stop that run game. Is it a situation where Alabama fans are going to have to hope and pray that a Trey Dupriest is going to be able to cover a, a net coming out of the backfield, or how is Alabama going to be able to defend that game?
4: Uh, Reggie Ragland, I think he's he's perfect. That's the perfect kind of guy you have in there, man. I think that he's he's severely underrated, and I say it every week. I try to put it out there every week. I'm like. Man, this guy has a C.J. Mosley-like skill set to be that darn big and to be able to get downfield and cover like that. And you can see him playing out in space. He can shoot gaps. He's sideline to sideline. He's a short tackler. He can get to the quarterback. Um, he can play in reverse. Um, that would be the kind of guy. But yeah, I did I did notice that. Man, the thing is, they're getting Fournette a lot more reps, and he's he's such a good pass receiver. Um, I saw him catching um, angle routes. He, he's doing a lot of the angle routes and, and different things like that. Man, he has a receiver-like skill set, so they are using that because um, Jennings is still struggled getting the ball in the short-to-intermediate game to the receivers. But he is a little bit more. He's a lot better at getting them to the running back. So, yeah, if they're in their heavy packages on defense, um, I would somehow – I would somehow have the roles reversed to where Reggie Ragland is the guy is playing that position, to where he would be the one covering the backside of the backfield. I think he's that. I think he's that good, man. Like, hopefully, I mean, he 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 doesn't know that, and he comes back for another year. But I think right now he could step into the NFL, man. And he will he will be something serious. He's a big dude, man. You're not supposed to be able to be that fast and that athletic. And also, I would probably try to get Dylan Lee in the game a little bit, somebody a little bit more athletic and and, and different things like that. Sometimes you just got to match your personnel. I'd be like, hey, man, we love you, the priest, and you've been a great player for us like this. But we're going to have to sub you out in some of these packages, man, get Dylan Lee in there because, like you said, man, you don't want to be caught up in there and have Trader priest trying to cover some of these backs or even some of these tight ends or whatever, the way they're trying to get the ball in. So,
3: yeah, <laughs>
4: another good call by you, man. Keep watching that tape.
3: Well, this question's yeah, from the man who don't watch tape, but still <laughs> a legitimate question, I think. We talked about before you came on, uh, this LSU team, as compared to those in the past, has not been dominant against the run. They're currently number 63 in America against the run. So even if Blake struggles through the air, would they not be susceptible to the read option?
4: I think everybody's susceptible to the read option. <laughs> I mean, like, what are you going to do? Like, I, I mean, I played hey, against yeah. something like that. It's just, <laughs> It's just so – Tricky. Like, you darn if you do, you darn if you don't. Uh, I don't know. They keep hitting the quarterback, but I mean, you can do that all you want. If he doesn't have the ball, I mean, what does it matter? Uh, I mean, I think just run it. Period. It doesn't matter. I think that people are going to be susceptible to it. If you have a guy that can run as good as Sims, all he needs is just a tinge of hesitation from you, and he he can get the edge. So running i think everybody's susceptible to it i don't see why they wouldn't run it anyway i don't care if it's old miss mississippi state whoever it is they they should just run that i think they'll get everybody with it but yeah they're as far as they're they're running it it was earlier in the season i think they kind of they're a little bit better now but earlier in the season i was um going through some of the run fits from them and they had a nice montage about them um in the wisconsin game and they got melvin gordon he's just a beast anyway but they were not scraping and filling the way they were supposed to, and like you said, they're aggressive and they like to shoot gaps and different things like that. So, I think now they're they're probably being a little bit more stouter and, and maybe reading reading and reacting a little bit better, in in opposed to just shooting the gaps and where it leaves them kind of susceptible to some of those runs. So, I would try to get it on the edges, and um, of course, trying to get them flowing one way. But yeah, they 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 are susceptible to the run, but everybody's susceptible to the run against Alabama in my
2: opinion. I, I agree, Murph. I think that I I love the the zone read. I thought it took Alabama a little bit too long to start incorporating it with Blake. I knew it could be a great weapon. Uh what is your take as far as Alabama defensively? Obviously I think Alabama's, you know, improved defensively since they played on Miss. As you said, they've been very good against the run. Uh, Leonard Fournette has turned into the you know the player everybody thought when he was coming out of high school. It took him about half the season, but he's gotten rolling. I know you've watched a lot of film on it. Talk about Alabama's front seven and how they match up against a really good you know veteran uh, offensive line at LSU.
4: Yeah, this is this is where the game to me where the game is going to be won. Of course, um, I'm thinking about Lyle Collins versus a Jonathan Allen. Um yeah. so they're gonna have to be more of a on, on the heavy heavy package. It's not gonna be I'm not sure how many opportunities they're gonna get for those rocket rushers and Anderson and and those guys or even Rashawn Evans and those guys coming in with the Rocket Rushers. Yeah, they need to just kinda play stout, maybe have Allen and Dixon in there. And um yeah. that's gonna be a good matchup, man. I think that Lyle I think the world of Lyle Collins. The guy the guy can play some football. They yeah, they had a rough early going, but he's looking like he's getting it together and um I believe it's just just play calling, you know. They Cam Cameron is a is a is a deep ball. He's a vertical, vertical stretch, vertical guy. So he's gonna want to pass the ball and get the ball downfield. And, but now he's just they're playing to their strength, man. Just run the ball. They, if they run the ball, they have the personnel for that, and it, and it opens up the the stretch vertical game for them. So um, on the interior, I think the the center is a little weak, and. Going against A'shaun, A'shaun Robson, that could be a problem for them. I think A'shaun has a chance to wreck that whole run game by by blowing up. He doesn't necessarily need to shoot any gaps or anything like that. Um, or Dalvin Thompson and people like that. They they just need to be very stout in the interior of that line and try to spill everything to the outside. Because I, I think that Ragland and DePriese can erase Race runs like that, especially Ragland. Um, I think they match up pretty well with the with LSU's offensive line, but then again, I think all, their offensive line matches up very well with Alabama. So it's just gonna. To me, it's about who wants it more in in, a, in the run game. Sometimes it's not even about talent, man. I'm telling you, when we were playing, I would just you just gotta want to tackle. And sometimes that when you're when you're going against the Leonard Fournette, and the more and more they run, just the more and more you just don't want to tackle. Like I don't know what it is, you know. Comes third and fourth quarter, you're like, man, I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to get off these blocks. I'm trying to trying to disengage off these blocks to get to this guy, and taking all this punishment and everything like that. So it's just about a will. Do you really want to tackle? And I think that Alabama should be fired up. The thing that I'm that I was was the um article that I have coming out on a Friday is about not overlooking these guys, you know, because you gotta be salivating at getting a chance to play Mississippi State the following week, you know, you got the, you beat Mississippi State, the world is yours. So you can't overlook a team like this that people haven't been talking about all year when they're just as talented as you in in a lot of areas and they recruit just as well and looking forward to getting your your shot at Mississippi State, you know, because these guys can sneak up and surprise you. Because if you can control the clock and if you can limit your turnovers and you can run the ball and then you can attack vertically you have a chance to beat Alabama. You have a chance to beat anyone with that, with that particular equation. So, just don't overlook these guys and bring your bring your hard hat because I mean it's going to be time to, to um, buckle it up.
3: Sorry. About that's that. so yeah. funny, Murph, <laughs> that you uh, gave that analogy about not wanting to tackle anymore. I think you just described the uh, the Georgia Florida game from this past weekend.
4: Yeah, that's perfect example. That is a perfect example. You could just tell if, as when they when they first started, they weren't breaking out those runs like that. But you're trying to tackle a guy like Matt Jones and a guy like Kevin Taylor coming in with a little bit more shiftiness and he has a little bit of power to himself. Just after a while, man, that 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 dam is going to break. You you just don't feel like doing that no more. So that's something that Alabama has excelled with, and with Ingram and Richardson and those guys and and Lacey. You just notice that when the third and fourth quarter hits that those guys were getting it in. And um, same thing with Jordan when Todd Gurley's there. A lot of people just don't want to tackle him in the third and fourth quarter. So you got to be committed to the run game. And LSU has that renewed commitment to the run game, which makes them extremely dangerous. But they got to tackle Yeldon and and Henry as well.
3: So. They are committed to the run game, but uh, if you're the defensive coordinator of the defensive staff for Alabama, uh, how do you scheme – against Brandon Jennings this week?
4: Um, I'm not worried about him in in the short-to-intermediate game. Not at all. He ain't got it like that. But I am worried, and I say this, and I've, and I've written this plenty of time, I think he's the premier deep ball thrower in the entire conference. I mean, if you look at it, he can't really do anything else, but he can throw that deep ball. He has He puts nice air under it. He has a nice throwing motion, and he has receivers that can go get it. And we talk about Trayvon Doral. They got a guy in Malachi, Malachi Dupree who could possibly be the next AJ Green. The Kid is that good. He's that talented. And they have um, they they have a couple of other receivers as well. So they're, I mean, Doral's gonna get all the the attention, but this game could make a star out of a guy like the Dupree. So I would I would um you don't really have to worry about him running much. For some odd reason, he's a he's a pretty good athlete, but he doesn't like to run. He'll run it if it's necessary. So, um, man, the best way to defend him is to <laughs> is is to stop that run game. <laughs> you stop that run game, you can't sit there and throw deep all day. He's gonna have to they're gonna have to call some ways for him to try to get first downs in the short to intermediate game. So if you make him have you make him to where the short to intermediate game is their run game, he's toast. Yeah, I mean, he may eventually improve in that aspect, and hopefully he does. I'm, I'm a fan of his. He's from here in Georgia, in Marietta, but he just doesn't ha- have it in the short to intermediate game. So you stop that run, and, and make him have to manufacture first downs with his arm by throwing in the short to intermediate game, and um, just pray that you pray that your your um, cornerbacks or whoever it is, Tony Brown or Eddie Jackson, can keep up with the occasional the occasional deep ball they're gonna throw they may try one once every series or once every two series they're going to they're going to definitely let it fly same offense that you see Joe Flacco playing in in, in Baltimore they go deep often but they sh- sometimes struggle in the short to intermediate game just like in Baltimore
1: Yeah well, I, go, go ahead for, Tom. Okay. no go ahead okay given what you just said if if you're Kirby Smart and you're trying to plan to stop LSU's offense do you just go like man with a safety over the top and stuff the box or do you how how do you defend that if you're Alabama or do you just go back into your zone concepts and and just kind of shade into the box with your with what would be your linebackers and cornerbacks Uh,
4: I I I would do the man I I would go man um I wouldn't do zone when you got guys who are um guys who can beat zone Zone coverage. You can call, call them cover two, cover three, backers, or whatever. Like a Travon Doral. you need a man cornerback. Cause that's what that's what Saban's defense is built on. You, you need man cornerbacks. You got guys that can press a Travon Doral and have him have and break off the timing, the rhythm, and the timing of the deep ball. So that way you you don't you can use landing columns in the box. Cause I mean chances are they're gonna they're gonna break something, they might continuously break something. But you need somebody who can erase that. So you need Collins to be able to be in a box and maybe have your free safety, um, maybe more of a cover one to where he can assist on both sides of the field because it's more than likely just going to go deep if it does go. So um, maybe cover one, press, and um, have Landon Collins in the box. Have him Definitely have him in the box. And um, – Like you said, with the big personnel up front, so none of the rocket rushers and Jonathan Allen at at three technique or anything like that. Your big guys, Landon Collins in the box, play that cover one man.
2: Well, and I wanted to ask you, you know, unbelievably the 30 minutes are already almost up. It it always goes fast. But one thing, my last thing I wanted to ask you about is since, you know, we've talked about it, Ryan Anderson is really coming to his own, at Sam linebacker for Alabama as a pass rusher. Talk about what you've seen of him and what you see his impact being in this matchup. So he's a tough one because
4: um, I like him as as just as a rocket rusher, as a designated pass rusher. He might be the quickest guy on the team, out of that three point stance or or standing up or whatever it needs to be, but. I, you don't want him in the game against uh, in this. Uh, you don't want him on the line against this team because they're they're going heavy personnel and they're gonna they're gonna go 21 personnel or 22 personnel and they're gonna pound it in between the tackles. And I'm not I don't think that he's that good of a run defender as much as he is an excellent pass rusher. So I would have my Jonathan Allens or, or Xavier Dixons who are a little bit more stout at the point of attack in the game, and unless you're up. If you get up in the game and those guys just got to let it go, they got to let it go. Then that's when you bring in your rocket rushers, and he will be that. Then that's when he's getting his two his two sacks. But if they're punishing the ball and they're able to keep it close, and you're having trouble scoring as well, you you better have that heavy personnel, and you, I would I would stay with Allen on the edges, or not.
3: Merc <laughs> as always. Uh, it's- Great to have you on the show. Uh wonderful analysis. uh tell before that you go, tell our listeners uh the various ways that they can read your stuff and, and keep up with you on Twitter and such.
4: All right. Uh you can follow me on on Saturday down south. Um maybe look in the X's and O's section whenever they post my stuff in there. Um I do uh two columns per week, uh a Monday and uh Friday. And um, I cover the entire SEC, so I don't just do Bama stuff, but I definitely try to get to Bama more often than not. And um, on Twitter you can find me at Murph Baldwin, M-U-R-F Baldwin. All right, Absolutely. man.
3: Great we stuff. We really appreciate it, Murph. And, uh, we'll be back in touch with you the week of the Iron Bowl, my friend.
4: All right. Uh, yeah, uh, what about Mississippi State? I think you um, said that you wanted me to come back on there just want me to do an Iron Bowl?
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm for that. I like getting able to talk about heavy, heavy oh, yeah. football stuff personally. Absolutely. We're,
2: we're going to be doing Mississippi State and Auburn. Like, like I said in the intro, we got three huge games to break down, and we'll have you for a 30-minute segment, each of those two as well, Murph, man. And we appreciate you on short notice coming on for us tonight. And uh, well, you did a great job, and uh, we'll be looking for your keys in the game. And and I guess right before you uh, before you do go, what is your prediction on the game? Have you decided that yet?
4: Uh, I haven't decided that yet, but I don't really go into a game thinking Alabama's going to lose. So whatever it is, I, I right. believe Alabama's going to win. Well, Ex- uh, I won't it, say that man. for sure. There's a, there's a team that's coming up that I, I, I'm a little skeptical on. So we'll say I, that for now. I that can then, imagine.
2: Though. Yeah, they've they, got three tough, ones. yeah, they got three. They got this one and two more monsters coming up. But we appreciate it, Murph, and always great stuff and great breakdowns, man. All right, appreciate it, guys.
4: You have a good rest of the show.
2: Thank All you. Right, thanks. Murph Ball and Saturday Down South.
3: You heard him. He's uh, one of our top guests here on Bam's Radio, and uh, when, it, when it comes to uh, breaking down the opposition and what i has got to do to win a ball game, there are a few better. That being said. Uh, It is the top of the hour, 9 o'clock Central, 10 o'clock Eastern, whatever o'clock, wherever you are. Break will be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family.
2: Take
1: Bama Sports Radio with you on the go and in your car with the free iPhone app. With cutting-edge features including live broadcast, on-demand radio, play-pause buttons, and text connect, allowing you to text into shows giving True Tide fans an interactive sports radio experience like never before. Go to BamaSportsRadio.com or search Bama Sports Radio in the iPhone app store to get true 24-hour radio on Alabama sports anywhere in the world, only from Bama Sports Radio.
2: Keep up with Bama Sports Radio off the air and on the move for the latest news and programming on all things Alabama. Follow us on Twitter at Bama Sports Radio and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bama Sports Radio. Bama Sports Radio, giving you all tied all the time. this defense
5: this is a mauling folks a mauling.
3: Four minutes after the hour, and we're back on BAMS Radio. Remember the Bama Sports Radio family. I'm your host, Kerry Clark, of AlabamaIntel.com, Alabama, and back in the studio, manning the controls, lining up the calls. We have Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Thanks again to our guests in the first hour, Burke Ball of Saturday South, he was picking down the X's and O's. Sometimes in terms we can actually understand. I think I was rooting for about 95% before we started getting into 21 and 22 and personnel. But I guess just, that's
1: just top of to the line,
3: maybe? <laughs> what,
1: what, 21 and 22 personnel. It's the number of skill – the breakdown of the number of skill position players that an offense has. When I say skill position, I mean wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs. Right. 21 personnel is two running backs, one tight end, two wide receivers – 22 personnel is two running backs, two tight ends, and one wide receiver. And huh. in, particularly in the case of 22 personnel, that's almost certainly a heavy set that they're going to run right at you with, and that's where you're going to want to get your big bodies in to stop. So I can translate that a little bit for our listeners.
3: Thank you. And for our host, uh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> played in full pads since the 70s, and we didn't have that kind of terminology back then. But anyway, uh, it's all good news. All in fun. So, uh, that was a good first hour. Uh, We are now in hour number two. We'll be hearing, I'm quite sure, in about three or four minutes from good old Colin Big C. McGuire to talk about not only the game upcoming, but also some of his memories of LSU and a preview of his uh, TV show this weekend. So, that'll be cool. Uh, But in the meantime, Drew, a game like LSU and a game like Arkansas, uh, that's a game where a guy like Brandon Ivory can get a little more snaps.
2: Yeah, Brandon Ivory will be seeing more snaps. Uh Darren Reed maybe at the nose or at least at the end, he will be playing a lot in the heavy personnel. Like uh Murph said, instead of having guys like Ryan Anderson in the on the four man front, I think you know, I think there'll be even some five man fronts for Alabama, but I think Xavier Dixon will see a lot of the time then and then you like as he said, Jonathan Allen, maybe even almost like two nose guards, Darren Reed, Brandon Ivory side to side. Uh, I think you'll see a lot of that, and I think they're going to try to take the runaway, try to put the game on Jennings' back. But like Murph said, and I agree with him, Jennings is not a great short intermediate throw. He's not going to pick you apart per se, but he can hurt you vertically. And I'm sure LSU will take some shots, and uh, Cyrus Jones, Tony Brown, Eddie Jackson, those guys are going to have to, you know, keep touching the rail. And even, you know, Malachi Dupree for making the big chunk plays that they gave up to lose the game in 2010.
3: Oh, yeah. And uh, that was a day where, I'm sorry, but in my opinion, Drew, that, that particular afternoon in 2010 in Red Stick, I, I just, I feel like Alabama got outcoached.
2: Well, it happens. I mean, you know, they got outcoached. I think they got outcoached against Ole Miss. And uh, they weren't they weren't multiple enough offensively. And I think if they are against LSU, they can have success. I think that's going to be, as I said, in the first hour and before Murph came on and Murph agrees. Alabama's going to have to mix it up. It could be a little tough at times for Blake. But I still think he, he can make some plays through the air and with his feet. And I think the, he with his feet could be big in the game, especially with him keying on Yeldon and Henry. But I think uh, Blake can still play a key role in the game. And if he doesn't turn the football over uh, even if he struggles a little bit, you know, moving the chains at times, if he can just not turn the football over and make a couple of big plays, he can uh, have a big uh, role in the outcome of the game.
3: Sadly, uh, well, no, not sad. We, we'll get to that later.
2: Uh, I want to remind everybody
3: they can join us by calling us on the Big Head Barbecue Hotline, 714 510 Three seven zero seven. Again, that number to call and ask us questions is 714-510-3707. And we are joined now on the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline, as always, by my longtime friend, the man, the myth, the legend, from the tiny hamlet of Greenville, Alabama, down in Butler County in the 334. About our only caller we ever get from the 334. Welcome to BAM's Radio, Colin Big C. McGuire. Hey, King, Drew, how are y'all tonight? Doing well, Big C. Roll Tide.
6: Good, I Roll Tide, you got it. Um, big game this weekend. Um, like the old saying, just win, baby, just one game at a time. Um, what is the status of Cam Robinson? Is he going to play or not, or is this a day-by-day thing, or what do y'all know on that?
2: Well, you know, I, as I said in the first hour, Big C, I – Got, I've got excellent sources at intel. We're fortunate to have some people, you know, that are very close to the program, and and uh, you know we will be we will we are going to double check uh, by the end of this week. But as of this time, we will be extremely surprised if he plays. Um, he's had an excellent recovery, a quick one. He's back on the practice field, uh, not mm-hmm. taking many first team reps, if any. Uh, he took a few today. If it's the first time, and not really sure how many he took in the actual practice after the viewing period, but. The bottom line is, is that you know I, he, he was very he wasn't taking any at all early in the week. He has made progress, but I think they're going to go with Austin Shepard and Grant Hill. They've seen just about all the reps for, for the last two weeks, and Cameron has made made a lot of progress. I think he there's a great chance he's back for Mississippi State. I really don't think he's going to have play against uh, 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 you know LSU. And the biggest thing that I've heard that I totally agree with is if. He's he's uh, you know recovering quickly, but if one if he gets rolled up on in any kind of way at all on this ankle, if you come back too quickly, he would be out for the season. You don't want that, and he wants no. to play for being from Monroe. He wants to play against his guys at LSU so badly, and I feel for him. But I think uh, next year in Bryant Denny will be the first time he gets a chance to because I just don't see him playing Saturday.
6: Well, they don't need to do that unless he absolutely needs to play him. But I mean, I wouldn't do it. I mean. And- Plus, Shepard's pretty good on the other side. And Grant Hill's not a bad player. Um, let me ask y'all this. Now, I know Ole Miss is not a very good run team, but is it – and I know they got ran on, but a lot of people has against when they played Auburn. Is there, how much has their run defense improved since then, from what y'all know, since the Auburn game that it's, is.
3: It's number 63 in the country, but it's playing better now than it was since Auburn, that's for sure.
6: Mhm. Now the quarterback. Now I have not seen old me. I mean LSU hard to play any. Now the quarterback, the Jennings guy. Is he more of a run type quarterback? Does he throw much, or what's the deal on him?
2: Well, as Murph said, he has mobility and is a good athlete. Being he's from the Marietta, Georgia area, he split time with, you know, with with a true freshman this year. Uh, you know, there's no doubt about it. Uh, And the true freshman started against Auburn and struggled, and that was one of the big reasons why Brandon Harris, why Auburn won that game so big. Jennings has come back and played better, but as Murph said, despite the fact with his skill set being that he's a mobile guy, he really doesn't run a whole lot, and he likes to operate from the pocket. I think, you know, that he'll still do much of that on Saturday. Uh, I think they'll manage, they want him to manage the game. It's going to be crucial for them to be productive on first down and run the ball, big C. If Alabama can slow LSU's running game down and make him come out of his comfort zone and throw the ball more than they were wanting him to, which would probably be a maximum of 20 times in my opinion, uh, then LSU will be in trouble. Cause he's going to want to take some deep shots, you know, run the football effectively, bring the safeties up, and then take some vertical shots. And Cyrus Jones and those guys are going to have to play up to that and, and do a good job defending it. But the bottom line is the is young man has some talent. Uh, but I, I think Alabama matches up pretty well with them if they can do what they need to do and stop the run. And as you've seen, Big C, Alabama has done a great job against the run this year, and I still think they can slow LSU down as well.
6: Let me ask you all this. The guy that was the number one receiver in the country was named Malachi DeFree. How's he done this year
2: for LSU? He's made some plays, Big C. Uh He's become more of a factor as the, as the season's gone on. Uh, he's made a few plays against Auburn. He's become he's, he's becoming more and more comfortable each week. But really, Doral is the one number eighty-three to look at. I mean, he's made a lot of plays down the field uh, early in the season against Wisconsin. He was one of the difference makers. Uh, he's been a difference maker. He made plays against Ole Miss. He's you know he had you know four or five TDs the first two to three weeks. He's somebody that Alabama's going to have to account for. Like Murph said, it's going to be tough to Dublin because you've got to stop the run first. But obviously Alabama has got to affect the quarterback, as Coach Saban likes to say. If they slow the run down, Alabama's pass rushes Kerry has said, and he can expand on this, but Alabama's pass rushes have come a long way since last year. They should be able to affect Penn, and if they affect him, I think they can get him to turn it over. Yeah, that's one
3: thing I, yeah. What was your favorite LSU
6: game when you were a manager? Well, I like
3: going down there. What about that time it rained the whole damn game in 79? Talk, talk about that game.
6: Oh, that was I, – I enjoyed the trip, but from a work standpoint, I didn't enjoy it because I was the only one on the sideline trying to keep the balls dry. And um, and um, now I will tell you a quick funny story, if you got a second to spare. Um, yeah, go
3: right ahead.
6: before – Right before the game, I was standing under the goalpost, and all of a sudden, I heard this voice, Big C, get me Tommy Wilcox, at quarterback. It's Coach Bryant. Needless to say, I got a little scared, but I started running around out on that field down there. I found him. I hollered and said, Coach Bryant wants you at quarterback. So he went and took snaps because what happened was the week before Don Jacobs got hurt and wasn't able to play. And if you remember, against Mississippi State in 1979, even Stedman got hurt, and they put him in at one play at quarterback. So they had him as sort of like the emergency quarterback. He would have been a good wishbone quarterback if he hadn't have been moved to strong safety. But um, really, uh, I, the trip down there and back was fun. The work part, trying to keep the balls dry during the game when it was raining so bad, wasn't so fun. But we pulled it off Adam McElroy hit had a 27-yard field goal in the third quarter to go up three to nothing. And we held them. They couldn't get inside there 40 two interceptions in the fourth quarter, uh, saved Alabama with Jim Bob Harris and Mike Clements doing that. And, uh, and a big play in that game was Ricky Tucker dropped, knocked down a – they had a guy named Carlos Carson that was really good. I think he ended up playing for the Kansas City Chiefs, and Ricky knocked down a pass. I mean, he was ahead of him, but he made a great play, not batting it down where he couldn't – because he was open on the play, talking out, Carson was – but that was a deep, but from a deep, that was a fun game, except trying to keep the balls dry because it was raining so much. But an interesting point I want to make to y'all in that game was that uh, ESPN was there, and that was right. I never heard of them until that weekend, and that was what they would do is they'd take the game and they played it the next day on a take delayed basis, and needless to say, like those old saying in that TV commercial, they've come a long way, baby, since 1979. Because they were really, they were really getting started then, and they what if you remember they take a lot of game, Alabama games, and played them on tape delayed bases the next day.
3: That's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know that time me and you went down to Baton Rouge, Dixie.
6: I certainly did. That's the other time I've been down there. That was a wild trip. It rained some that night, but not like you did in 79,
3: though. It was 1994. And uh, yep. a, walk- a walk-on named Rocky Colburn. Uh, not Rocky Colburn. Uh, Roman Colburn. Roman Colburn. Yep. A walk-on, I believe, from Fort Payne. Blocked a pup, yep. ran in for a touchdown. And um, me and Big had right a big time in the, in the old red stick.
6: Yeah, they ran it right toward us. If he could have run up to the steps, he could have gone right to you and me. It was that. It looked like it was that close by. We were sitting pretty low. I remember that, in the stands in that end zone, I and mean, it it even rained some that night. But you know, I think LSU. Well, they they'd bat, they were ready to fire Hallman by then, so the stand, the stadium wasn't really as loud as it could have been. But I remember they honored the 1969 LSU team before the game because that was the 25th anniversary, and that was, they were the last team to beat Alabama until Saban was there in 2000 to beat Alabama there at Tiger Stadium.
3: Big C, do you remember that time? Uh, I think it might have been 70 or 71 timeframe, maybe 70, when LSU, they didn't televise a lot of ball games back then but LSU played Notre Dame on national TV and I remember Burt Jones throwing a touchdown to Andy Hamilton to help beat Notre Dame oh, on yeah. TV back in a lot of games yeah. on TV. That's one of my childhood yeah. memories. I'm sure you watched that game too.
6: Oh yeah, I can tell you where I was at. I was at a friend's house, Mr. PA Glenn, we watched it. And Andy Hamilton made a wild, he made a great play. He ran a pattern and went to the right and the Notre Dame DB was a guy named what was his name? Was it Tom Gatewood? He was the DB. No, Clance Ellis was the DB. And he went to the left, and I mean, he was wide, wide, wide open. You can go on YouTube and they'll show it to you. But I remember it was a 28-8 game on November the 20th, 1971.
0: They
3: were winning.
6: fired up. No Seem like a lot of,
3: seemed like a lot of quarterbacks were number seven back in the day.
6: Yeah, they was. <laughs> John Reeves, Pat Sullivan, Dirk Jones. uh,
3: <laughs> Jones. I know. Um,
6: Bert Jones ended up being the best of the bunch in the pros. Uh, in the NFL, had a better pro career than the other two. Number sevens did.
3: Yes, he did by far. By far. Well, Big but, C, uh, um, why don't you tell tell us what you got in store this week on talking Bama with Big C?
6: Well, speaking of that, we're doing a uh, preview of the Alabama LSU game. Uh, since you bring that up, I uh, we'll take it last week. I also got, did a recap of the Alabama-Tennessee game and also uh, uh, matchups of the game and then a prediction on the game. So, I'm not going to tell you the prediction. you got to go to jockjive.com and look up Talking Bama with Big C. And I also have on there my top ten. Hopefully, I'll have a more up-to-date because we took this a week ago. But, anyway... Um, It sort of as closely resembles what the college football poll came out with.
3: Except except for one case. One case, though. They don't have Marshall even in their top 25.
6: That's right. Well, mine's a little different. Now, I understand the head-to-head thing. I can relate to that or understand that, and I think I know how they're doing that. But the part about in strength of schedule, up to a point I can understand that, but I don't know how they figure that out. Uh, do you know how they do that on the strength of schedule on theirs, or do you know?
3: Thomas may know. Can I uh, explain well, it real thing? quick?
1: Uh, well, in ter- yeah, I've got you. No, in terms of how the committee factors in strength of schedule, it's behind head-to-head results. But even sometimes strength of schedule, it, it, it's kind of awkward. Like, they, and, it, and it it flies counter to that principle because Baylor beat TCU, but Baylor's way down because strength of schedule is over because they factor in Baylor's very weak schedule. So it, yeah, I think what it comes down to is it's kind of a totality. And it's if there's a really really bright spot for a team, like the fact that TCU just got a big win over West Virginia or the fact that Oregon beat Michigan State earlier in the year and Michigan State's been on a tear since, that's going to push that team up. I, I think the the, the the guidelines are just that, and the committee's going to kind of pick and choose what they want from those to make their argument, which is kind of frustrating for me because I'm a numbers guy, but I'm not on the committee, so there you go. Well,
6: one thing is like the points that Alabama's got is like, uh, when they played Texas A&M, they're ranked. Now they're not. So, I mean, it's, it's sort of, and I understand the fluid, the things. Like, oh, uh, Reese Davidson, it's fluid, which means it's up and down or whatever. I mean, the thing is, is like, let me ask you all this. Say, say if West Virginia got knocked off out of the top, Twenty-five would they be? Well, I guess head-to-head head, they'd be zero and one this week, wouldn't they? Is that how that would work? Is that how I understand that? Or what's the deal there?
1: Well, if you're talking about how, if West Virginia had beaten TCU, that would have made Alabama look better. But because West Virginia lost, even though it was very close to a good TCU team, the the committee is putting a ton of emphasis on record and wins and losses. Uh, look at Ole Miss. They were number 3 last week and they fell all the way to 11 because they're a two-loss team. So it mm-hmm. certainly hurt that West Virginia lost that game, but head to head Alabama is still above them. I'm not sure how you'd say you they look at common opponents, uh, the the next component of head to head, and if it's between TCU and Alabama, I'm reluctant to give this example because I don't know for sure, but Alabama would get the nod over TCU because Alabama beat West Virginia a little bit better, like beat them by more points even though it wasn't a neutral yeah. field. And yeah. and I, I just I think Alabama would get the slight nod in that particular category. But that's also a very small subset of the data.
6: All right. Let me ask you this now. Like, say if West Virginia had just dropped totally out of the top twenty-five, then Alabama's Alabama's record then been zero and one against in head-to-head competition against the other teams of some in the top twenty-five. Is that how that would worked this week if that had happened?
1: Right. You understand what uh, I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. It would be it, against top twenty-five competition. Alabama would be zero and one right now, assuming exactly. West Virginia dropped like thirty.
3: I hate to say this, but Alabama don't really have a quality win yet, y'all.
1: No, they don't. They haven't beaten a top-15 program since the middle of last year. Yeah,
3: they, they don't. I mean, you know, we talk about our, our hard schedule and all that. Even if they beat LSU this week, that's uh, that, that's a top-20 team. But, uh, you know, they won't be after we beat them. And so Alabama really has to find where they got to do to scratch and claw and fight and get a win this weekend. Then they get chances to uh, – upgrade their resume in two of the following three weeks.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Not only that, but they get a chance to win the West, go to Atlanta, and beat either Missouri or Georgia or whoever it is. And i tell you what, if, if, if Alabama, it's a damn good thing because Al, you know Missouri is not going to be a quality win if Alabama beats them in Atlanta. It's really not. They're looking at really, when it's all said and done, the paint dries and the dust clears. State and Auburn, if Alabama can beat them both, would really be the only two quality wins they had. But if they win the SEC Championship, it don't matter because they're going to make it anyway. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
3: That's why it was so important, Big C, for Ole Miss to lose this past weekend.
6: Yep.
3: Because I'm afraid at 11-1, and Alabama would have got left out.
6: Yep. Well, we need to go 11-1, and and like you said, win the West now and pull that off. But I'm saying if they'd
3: gone 11-1 and Ole Miss or State won the West, I think Alabama would have been left out. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. anyway. It's all going to play anyway. out soon enough. You know, I don't want to yep. rush the season. I'm enjoying the season. I don't want to rush oh, it. Yeah. I don't want to get oh. to January and have nothing but a few bowl games to watch. I'm enjoying it. It seems to me like this season
0: is
6: just flying by. Yeah, it does. It flies. That's the only thing I don't like about football season. It flies by. I hate to look far ahead, but, uh, all right, on um, January the 1st, what is the two bowl games that are going to be the two playoff games? Um, this year. I'm just out of curiosity.
3: The Sugar and the Rose.
6: Okay. And then the following weekend, I mean, two, 12, 11 days later, go to Dallas. That's how That's that works right. for whoever does that. Now, because I don't right. want to try to act like we're – now, do they going – to now, they're going to – how are they going to do this, say – all right, I'm trying to figure out. I don't want to try to be looking too far ahead, but
3: well, – I'll tell you what they I heard, gotta it, see. I heard that if Alabama goes to New Orleans for the first-round game, that that same group of uh, old football managers that carried you to New Orleans <laughs> at time is going to carry you down there again. <laughs> <laughs> we kill Should okay. we tell that on the air, Big
0: <laughs> Look no. out.
6: stop by now your head all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, <okay.
3: laughs> well, anyway. Hashtag inside joke. <laughs>
6: yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but anyway,
3: Big but Steve. uh, Big turning turning pink right now, y'all. I ain't lying. <laughs> oh boy. But well, anyway, right, uh, Steve, explain to our uh, explain to our listeners how your mathematical formula has Marshall ranked so high. All
6: right, this is how it works. All ain't right, they ain't, you're right. They haven't played anybody, but they played eight games, and I'm trying to figure this out. Now, one of them was Rhode Island, you know. What it is, they only got two points out of that because they are a Division I AA team, and they also were not ranked. And the deal is, when they play people that's like in the MAC conference, they get two points, and if they beat them on the road, they get a total of four. If they beat them at home, they get a total of three. So it worked out to be 27 points. And the main thing is they get it because – they just hadn't lost a game. That's why it, worked. it just added up that much. But, I mean, I'll agree they're not. They're not. But, I mean, I'm using – but I'm being – is with my system is it takes away the bias and the emotion and all that stuff. It's just pure numbers is what it is. But that's how they ended up being um, that highly ranked. But, you know, at the end of the season, regular season. And then, plus, also, they need to win their – you know, uh, win their conference and all that. You know, get more numbers. But I mean, it's just—I'm just not using the head-to-head and the strength of schedule, which I don't know how to do all that. I'm they just, don't have a I'm, strength of like,
3: schedule.
6: They don't. They have strength schedule zero. Yeah, that, 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 and then. But you know, like they say, Alabama schedule. I think last night on that show wasn't it like number six or something like that, or. Uh, I never did understand. See, I don't understand how they figure that all out. And, you know, plus you got West Virginia was a good win there. Then you had Florida Atlantic and then Southern Miss. And then Florida looked pretty impressive, but they're not. Well, I don't know. Now they beat Georgia, so that makes it look a little better. Uh,
3: Oh, that helped Alabama. That helped Alabama. Alabama needs Florida to beat Vanderbilt and South Carolina, too, while they're at it.
6: I'm going to tell y'all something. Y'all think I'm crazy what I'm about to say. I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but it would not surprise me if they can run. Now, Florida State's defense against the run is not that good. They can run on them like they did Georgia the other day. They might beat them. I'm not saying they will, but I mean, it wouldn't surprise me or shock me if that did happen.
3: As crazy as it sounds, I think Florida State's the only team Florida plays here on out that they can't beat. They just cannot beat them. They literally could win all the way up to there. They're they they've got a shot, and they could even make it to Atlanta if a couple things happen. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be Missouri. Uh, but anyway, mm-hmm. Florida's, Florida's actually put themselves into the conversation now in that SEC lease, as I call it.
6: Yeah, that's sort of um, yeah. Missouri might be going up there, and they lost and they lost to Georgia thirty-four to nothing.
3: Well, yeah, they did. I mean, I was telling somebody earlier, watching Missouri is like watching like one of Coach Stallings' teams. They just basically beat you with special teams in defense. They don't have much of an offense. But, um, yeah, of that's where they beat the far. The and I'll tell you what, if Alabama does get past Auburn and Mississippi State and LSU and Alabama goes to Atlanta and the opponent is Missouri, Alabama will skin Missouri's butt alive. That'll be a bludgeoning. Yeah. <laughs> A mauling, Thomas Watt. That's a mauling. That's yeah, we have to worry yeah. about. It. We got, we got yeah. a lot of work. Our work is cut out for us, but I think we're uh, going to peak at the right time. I got confidence in this team. We will run a whole yeah. lot Saturday night, but you know, Murph's tone of voice is like, you know, well, you know, Alabama. I pick them to win every game, but he didn't seem convinced that Blake Sims would be able to play well in Baton Rouge and all that. I, I think Blake Sims is going to surprise people this week. Uh, I really do. LSU's got a good defense. They don't have a great defense. Okay. And, uh, they're susceptible to a lot of things Alabama does, and uh, I think Alabama's going to beat them by a minimum 10, 11 points.
6: That'd be good. I mean, that'd be a nice win if they do it that much. I just want – only thing I'm looking – I ain't going to say – I want I not try to look at what I say at – I'm basing it on the history of the three times we've been down there with Saban the playing and again, and that's what I'm basing my outcome on. So I don't say I'm I want y'all to look at my show if Jock and with Big C on Jockgab.com. I'm on Facebook. Drew, mute you, your mic. Ah. Uh, All
3: right. Well, Big C, we appreciate you uh, giving us a hall tonight. I think this is probably your. Uh, Longest segment over on, ever on BAM's radio, uh, 22 right, minutes. i quick, did
6: quick I'm, I'm going to let you know I'll be calling you 10 after 7 on Friday.
3: Okay, I'll be ready, man. Right that, right, that that you, also was... can be found on joggyle.com, which is uh, talking talking sports, D.C. I'm starting to get That's
6: mixed right. up on it, what shows i got now. It, but, every uh,
3: Friday morning from about 7.10 to about 7.30 uh a riveting 20-minute segment with me and Big C, talking, talking sports, right. talking Bama, solving the world's problems, getting all the Republicans elected. We're having a good year, Big C. Let's hope That's the right. elephant named Big Al has as good of a show on Saturday night as the elephant that represents the GOP had last night. Yeah, that would be yeah. fun.
6: That would be good. That would be. Hashtag oh,
3: straight ticket.
6: Drew, y'all in there. there. Thank y'all. Bye-bye. Roll Tide.
3: All right. Bye-bye. Thank you, Big C. Bye-bye. Thank you. Call Big C McGuire, my good friend and yours. Uh, two-year Letterman as a football manager, one-year Letterman as a wrestling manager. Uh, met in Tuscaloosa in fall of 77, been friends ever since. Poor guy, man. I, I went with him to Baton Rouge in 94, watched that ball game in Alabama victory under Coach Stallin. And uh, I, I just – I didn't take into account when we parked about a mile away from the stadium, my stride at 6'4", was a little different than his stride at 4'4". But uh, I had to kind of, you know, walk a little slow to wait on him. But he's a great guy. He's one of my best friends. Love him to death. Colin Big C McGuire. Drew, uh, I was going to, as we, as we wait on Marty, who I guess is not going to call this week, uh, I wanted to tell you, Drew, that uh, as far as the depth chart goes, as far as how they ran through drills and such, the first defensive line today was Jonathan Allen and Ashawn Robinson at N Jeremy at nose. The second defensive line was Dalvin Tomlinson and DJ Pettway at N Brandon Ivory at Nose. Uh I guess that it's safe to say that Darren Lake has become the forgotten man on Alabama's defense.
2: Yeah, he's played a little bit this year. Uh but he just you know, he he's the coaching staff has been kinda of down on him, wanting to lose weight. There was even a talk of red shirting him early. Uh, but he ended up playing against Ole Miss and play, he's played a few snaps this season. But I don't think there's any doubt Jaron Reed should be the starter against LSU. Uh, Brandon Ivory will spell him. Could see Brandon Ivory with him when on some uh, and walk Xavier Dixon up with some five-man front, as I said earlier. But uh, I think Jaron is the best nose guard, most athletic guy, and, and, and just a true playmaker. And he's gotten better and better, I think, as the season's gone on.
3: I hinted at this a little bit before uh, Big C called in, but uh, all the all the news is, is not great out of Tuscaloosa. Uh, former Alabama and former NFL fullback LeRon McClain was uh, arrested on the 2300 block of University Boulevard. Uh, they had uh, searched uh, his residence in Tuscaloosa and found some uh, some uh, things that tested out to be illegal substances, and so he's now. Uh, been booked into the jail down there. And this is honestly, you know, from what I know of him, the times we interview him and all when he was on campus, this is not something I would have ever suspected, Drew, from the Ron McClain.
2: No, I, I when I saw the stuff go across Twitter, I was shocked. Um, I, he had a, he's had a long NFL career. I think he's been out of the game this year, but he did so much for charity, especially in 2011. He spearheaded a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of relief efforts for the, the people affected in Tuscaloosa and the surrounding areas for the tornadoes. Uh, donated a lot of his own time. Got a lot of his NFL teammates to help. You know, Donated uh, money and goods to that cause. And uh, just uh, com- I was completely shocked when I saw it. He's always been one of my favorite guys. I've always thought he was in one of the better fullbacks in Alabama, a guy that if he had played during the Nick Saban era, would have been a lot more appreciated than he is now. Uh, was a standout for Mike Shula's group and uh, was a great four-year guy from 2002 to 2006 and just barely missed Coach Saban. But then had his had a great NFL career, gone to a, went to a Pro Bowl with Baltimore and you know had a good run with the San Diego Chargers. It's just sad to hear that uh, that that is that happened. Uh, hopefully that is just a uh, <laughs> some sort of uh, just one bad decision and or a uh, misunderstanding and he'll bounce back but just hate to hear that for Laron.
3: Yeah and you would think that uh somebody spent eight years in the clothes wouldn't wouldn't need the money. I maybe had it
2: laying around for recreational
3: use but didn't sound like it from the report. But anyway, uh we do have Marty from Gadsden on hold now. Marty welcome to Bounds Radio.
5: Hey guys, great show again tonight. I tell you what, you know, looking back at last week, uh it amazes me the Auburn Tigers. Again, one of the luckiest teams I've ever seen. You know, we lose on a turnover, and they win on a turnover. You know, it, that's amazing. You know, I, I, you know, it was a win-win situation either way or a lose-lose, whichever way you look at it. But uh, it, 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 it's so hard to pull for Auburn to win a game. You know, and, and I, I got myself starting to smile when Mississippi was trying to score and fix to go across that goal line. I seen that fumble, and I'm going, my God, again, they win on a second. That's unbelievable for for a football team to continue to do that over and over and over again. But, you know, I just I had to get that off my chest tonight. Well,
3: we needed them to do it because if Ole Miss had won that game and had beaten State and we didn't go to Atlanta – I believe that committee would have left us sitting at home, Marty.
5: Yeah, well, Ole Miss is done. I mean, they're toast. <laughs> oh, they are, buddy. But Auburn helped us because now we control our destiny. Yeah, well, I've got a question too. You know uh, uh, about the the DBs for Alabama. You know, is it and is Eddie Jackson and uh, uh, Jarrett Williams uh, are both of those guys healthy?
2: Yes, Marty. They are. I'm sorry. Uh, I had to step aside for a second, but they are uh, both healthy. Both have been playing quite a bit. Jarek has been, you know, back in the lineup for the last couple of weeks. Eddie Jackson's been splitting time with Tony Brown. Uh, it looks like from what I, I hear that Eddie and uh, Jarek will both uh, start the game Saturday. Uh, I, I would look for, the, you know, Jarek to put, still play the star. I think Alabama will go with their, with their nickel a little bit, not with a dime so much. But when they're in regular, I could even see Jarek playing alongside Landon Collins. But I think, you know, Geno Smith will also see some reps, maybe Maurice Smith, depending on, you know, because last week, uh, or against Tennessee two weeks ago, excuse me, uh, Landon Collins had some cramping issues. But I don't think they'll play as many defensive backs this week, but I do think that you'll see Eddie and Tony split time. But if Eddie will play well and get off to a nice start, uh, since Tony's a younger player, I would think Eddie would see most of the reps.
5: Well, I just ain't heard much about it this year. Man, I know both of them has kind of battled a little bit of the injuries. I, did, I didn't know if they was back to full strength or not. But you know, you know, we need those guys back there because I, I tell you what, LSU, if they can throw it, they can throw it long. And the, you know, and, and like every quarterback that ever plays Alabama, I don't care if they're starting, freshman, sophomore, or whatever, they always have their best game against Alabama most of the time, for exception of a, of a game or two. But, you know, uh, I, I agree. I don't think that, that they can throw the ball on the on short or medium passes. You know, we just got to protect the long pass and, and, and load that box and stop the run. You know, but I know, well, she's going to throw the, the best that they got at us. But another thing that worries me is another road game with Blake with a with a loud 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 crowd, and the communication still bothers me, and still uh, gets me a little bit of worried. Uh, I've got a little bit of anxiety about this game because you know from here on out it's an elimination game. You, you, you got to win them all. Very true. Uh, about
3: that. that, that. I may have a little bit of angst about it simply because it's at night and it's in Baton Rouge and the Cajuns and the Coonasses got all day to get drunk. And But Blake has said in some interviews that they, that him and Coach Kiffin have met and they've figured out some things to do to simplify getting the calls in quicker and more accurately from the sideline to Blake. Uh, they were still having issues with that, as, as as we well know now, in the Tennessee game. But hopefully the bye week was something that gave them time to get that fixed. And Blake has said in some interviews that, but they've made a lot of progress in that regard. So, I guess we'll find out, but I just, uh, I feel like this is a talented LSU team, Marty, but it's a young LSU team. And I just don't think that, that Jennings is going to go see us. I really don't think he is. I think he'll, um, you know, I just, I think Alabama's going to be ready. I really do.
5: Well, you know. I uh, agree with Kerry. You know, something I would like to know, and you don't have to answer it tonight. You might can answer it later on, but, I'd like to know the, the list of all the, the players that are going to redshirt this year or, or supposedly going to redshirt this year. I know you may not have that information right off the top of your head, but it'd be interesting to know because sometimes you know, Alabama's recruited so well over the last several years, sometimes you look lose track of a lot of these players and, and it'd be kinda of li- nice to know what we have in the cupboard, you know, that we have nobody's even seen this year.
3: Well, it's a good question, um, and it is something that we'll be glad to go over. We, we, we're, uh, we're 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 ninety nine percent sure that that Marlon Humphrey's going to redshirt, and that's that's something that we never thought we would say. I uh, will just look at the roster, and I'll, I'll tell you if I see any other ones that pop out. Who, who, who are some that come to mind for you, Drew?
2: Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, Ronnie Clark's going to redshirt. Um, you know, he I can go over it right now. I mean. Uh, the red shirts are going to be Ronnie Clark, uh, Marlon Humphrey, Johnny White, uh, O.J. Smith, who, by the way, a lot of people missed this, but he's been back at practice this week running through DL drills from his shoulder surgery, number 91. He will be red shirting uh, Keith Hall, <laughs> who I think could be a very, very fine player, and, uh, Christian Miller, who this week uh, – He's still not put on much weight. He's looked good in dribbles, but he only weighs 203 pounds. He's a linebacker. Uh, he'll be an outside linebacker. He'll redshirt. And as you said, uh, Kerry, Joshua Casher, J.C. Hassenauer actually did play in a game, so uh, they could find a phantom injury or whatnot. But as of right now, he is uh, not going to redshirt. Um, uh, and obviously, Ross Piersbacher is going to redshirt. Um, and then uh, the David Cornwell coming back from his ACL, he will redshirt. And uh Lawrence Hootie Jones has seen time on special teams, a little bit on defense, so he has played. And really the only other guy that's gonna redshirt Derek Keith, uh wide receiver from Cincinnati, Ohio.
3: They should have redshirted Raheem Falkins this year.
2: Yeah, I, I, I was a that was my thought going into this season that you know that they should hold him out and uh because if everybody else has stayed injury free and you know, DeAndre White's been a little nicked, but other than him, they've stayed injury free. At wide receiver, for the most part, you know, Coop got a little banged up against Arkansas, but I think they could have redshirted him, and I really think they should have because he hasn't played very many snaps. I
5: think he hit got, it all there, Marty. Well, that's great, guys. I, I appreciate y'all what y'all do, man, and a uh, roll tide, and we'll get off here, and maybe somebody else can call in and uh, ask the final question. Appreciate, it, guys. Thank Bye. you, Marty. Roll tide. Roll tide,
3: Marty from Number one, Bam's caller. You know him. You love him. You can't have a week of this show without him. And he adds a lot to the show, and we appreciate it. Uh, Certainly do want people to still call. The number of the Big Head Barbecue Hotline is 714-510-3707. Again, 714-510-3707. That, of course, is if you are listening live between 8 and 10 Central Time, 9 and 11 Eastern. If you're listening to this on the podcast and you call that number, we will not be able to field your questions. So, at this time, we are going to transition to the LSU scouting report of Mr. Thomas Watts. Take it away, Thomas.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Kerry. Uh, Like I do every week, I'll do offense and defense separately. Uh, Let's talk about Alabama's offense versus LSU's defense. And I just want to reiterate a point that I asked Murph about. LSU's defense is fast. They are athletic. They are solid. But Ole Miss had some success running the ball, particularly on the edges. Now, that is not really what Alabama has done. But it's something where a zone read look has the potential – to really hurt LSU. Now, why do you, as a fan, why why do I say that? When they're athletic, they're going to swarm to the ball, and that's when misdirection comes in off his own read or reverse. That That's where a lot of Ole Miss's damage came. They also did damage on short plays that got broken for long runs. Overall, I think I'm going to just frankly mirror what everyone has said and say this is a game where Blake Sims is going to have to be on top of his game. He's going to be, his decision-making is going to have to be solid. I have a tough time believing that Amari Cooper is going to have another 200 yard game, but I think he will have a solid game, but Blake Sims is going to have to get some things done with his legs. I think those gonna be really important because LSU is going to, they're going to get pressure. They're going to be able to do some things on the defensive side of the ball. Now, can Alabama's offensive line that's been reshuffled a couple of times, can it stack up? Honestly, at this point, you have to hope, because we haven't seen this unit compete for any decent amount of time. But if there's one thing you can pull from how Ole Miss was able to damage LSU and how Auburn was able to do it, they were able to move the ball pretty effectively throughout those games. Now, there were certainly some points where you watched Bo Wallace do things, and you're just like, what the hell are you thinking? But Bo Wallace had a horrific game against LSU. So I feel like the Alabama offense will be able to get some things done. I think balance will be key. I definitely think if the Alabama offense can put a quick 10 points or a quick 14 points on LSU, if they come out of the first quarter with a two-touchdown lead where they started fast and Alabama's defense was able to slow LSU's offense down – This game is going to slant so heavily towards Alabama that it could arguably over at halftime. Why do I say that? LSU is a running team. That is what they do. They have an experience. They have a huge offensive line, but they like to run downhill. The passing game just isn't there. They do one of two things. They dump off down to the running backs as a check down, or they throw 30-plus-yard bombs. They don't really do anything in between. And that's not really a winning formula against Alabama. If Alabama defensive if Alabama's offense forces LSU's offense to score with them, then Alabama's gonna run away with this game. Let's talk about Alabama's defense, how they're gonna defend that offense. Like I said, Alabama excuse me, LSU is a power running team. They're a team they want to line up, they wanna punch in the face, they wanna keep punching in the face until they can punch no more, and then they wanna score a touchdown. That's how they beat Ole Miss. They just mashed Ole Miss for four quarters. They dominated that game doing that. But what happens when, just like Arkansas, you get LSU off off track, you slow them down, you get a tackle for loss, or you get a one-yard rush on first down, they get to a second and nine, a second and eight, or even worse, a third and eight, a third and nine. That's a lot tougher thing for LSU to work with. They're not able to consistently convert those third and long distances. Admittedly, no offense is very good at that. But in LSU's case, it's specifically a lot worse in most cases. Now, that's, that's how if the game's close. That's only exacerbated if LSU has to pass the ball more. Jennings, the starting quarterback, Anthony Jennings, excuse me, the starting quarterback is completing right around 50% of his passes. And again, he either dumps it off, or throws a bomb, doesn't do anything in between. That's a tough thing for LSU to score points off of. They haven't been able to do it if they've been behind. Look at the Auburn game. Obviously Auburn jumped on LSU early. Auburn ran away with the game. LSU couldn't do anything. I personally don't think that's in play here. I think that the LSU team as a whole has matured enough to where they're not going to let Alabama get away. But if the Alabama offense can put pressure on the LSU offense, the Alabama defense is going to feast. I don't think that LSU will find the success that they found running the ball against Ole Miss. I just Nobody, nobody this year has been able to mash the Alabama defense. Not Arkansas, not Ole Miss, even though Ole Miss was not really a mashing power-running team. But if there's one thing for Alabama fans to really hang their hat on, it's how well the Alabama defense defended the Arkansas offense. There are a lot of similarities, as Murph said. is a little more talented, but it's not like you're going to see a massive changeover between those two games. Yes, there's some intangibles there that you can say, oh, they're going to really play their hearts out in Death Valley, whatever. Saying that Arkansas didn't play their hearts out in Fayetteville, you're insane. But I think Alabama has the advantage here. I will say I do think this is the most important game in Alabama's season. Because going home, even against really, really tough Mississippi State and Auburn teams, this team's just different at home, and they're still going to be tough tests. But I think this one, this is kind of the last hurrah for Alabama to really put it together on the road. I have Alabama winning this game, not quite as much as either Drew or Carey. I think it's going to be something like 24-20 or 24-17, but it's going to be a really entertaining game. And Assuming Alabama wins, there's one other really important thing to talk about in this game. It's injuries. It's going to be a physical game. If Correct. Alabama can come out with a victory and relatively injury-free, they're going to be bumps and bruises. Just, just get that out of your mind. Is something that's not going to happen. But if Alabama can come out major injury-free and come out with a win, that is the absolute best-case scenario for Alabama fans. But I have twenty four twenty twenty four seventeen range. I wouldn't be. I, I tell Drew. I think it's being the show. I'll dance a jig if Alabama wins by ten. Quite honestly, but it could happen. Guys, Carrie, uh, I think you mentioned you wanted to do some hoops that we talked about. Do you have any questions about the scouting before, report before we move on to that? Just one. What's that?
3: Is it safe to say that as people like Murph Baldwin and myself that really know the game well, is it keeping behind the change is that big?
1: Right, that, that, that's the right way to – that's what I meant to say before. If Alabama can win on first down, they're, they're in a really good spot.
3: I know. Thank you. I just wanted to take, keep them behind the change. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, Now, that being said, I wanted to turn the tables a little bit before we close the show because uh, Alabama will have played an exhibition basketball game uh, by the time we have another show. That is, it's coming Monday at 7 o'clock against Montevallo in Tuscaloosa. Uh, it doesn't count in the standings, but it's good for things like uh, getting your rotation set, getting your freshman experience, that kind of thing. That being said, uh, here are some notes <clears throat> that a good friend of mine took at not tonight's meeting, which was open to anyone that wanted to go and be a prospective member of the Birmingham Tip-Off Club. This was, these are notes from yesterday's meeting of the Tuscaloosa tip Club, and these are Uh, paraphrased comments from Coach Anthony Grant on questions he took from the crowd. And the the crowd asked some good questions. I'll give him credit. I wasn't there, but based on these responses, uh, he was asked about Justin Coleman, the true freshman who's been on this show. And uh, Coach Grant said that uh, Justin has a chance to be special. He makes others better by making the game easier for them. He's the type of player that others like to follow. He was asked about Devin Mitchell, who's been on this show. Devin's a good shooter, just the threat of him being out there opens up the floor for others, needs to work on defense. That is typical of a freshman. He was asked about Jeff Garrett, who has been on this show. He called him a small forward, which I found interesting because in my mind, he's more of a four, but hey, I'm not the coach. He said that Jeff is a good fit for the style of play that Coach Grant wants to play. He knows what he can and can't do, which I took that to mean shooting outside shots, and he needs to be more consistent. Uh, he was asked about Raleigh Norris, who's been on the show, and who Drew and I met a few weeks ago after Hoops on the Quad. He called Raleigh a combo forward that will play three and four position. He said he has a very high basketball IQ, as Drew has said on the show. He said he's a good rebounder, faster, and shooter, as Drew has said on the show, and he was a very skilled player. He was asked about the freshman class as a whole, and he said they're not only coachable kids, but they are confident and competitive and have a little bit of a swagger, which is something the program has been needing uh, he said that, that he likes the leadership potential of the team overall, mentioning Levi Randolph, who has been elected captain, and also mentioned Dakota Slaughter and Ricky Tarrant as guys that are showing some leadership. Regarding Jimmy Taylor, who we discussed after we saw the remade May 6'10", 240-pound center a couple of weeks ago at Hoops on the Quad, Coach Grant said, remember, and he said this in an interview we played on the show, the, the clip we had from the Quad where Coach Grant was talking to Drew and I, Remember that Jimmy Tyler played last year as an 18-year-old. He's still the third youngest player on the team. He has much better body and is much better court awareness this year. He was asked about Shannon Hale. He said that Shannon used the downtime after his foot surgery to reshape his body. also noted that he has improved his court awareness and said that he did not play him much last year in November and December because Shannon didn't understand how hard you had to play. And he just liked to shoot the ball, and that was all he was doing. And he figured it out as the year went along, and he finished strong, got a lot of playing time in the last few months last year. Regarding injuries, we have three out right now. That's Ricky Tarrant, Michael Kessens, and Retina He expects them all back soon. It would not be surprising. This is me interjecting here, not Coach Grant. It would not be surprising if he holds those three guys out for the Montevallo exhibition and holds them for the season opener a week from Friday at home against Calsons state and regarding recruiting he told them that we would sign three next week as we've said many times on here but they will also continue to evaluate for a fourth signee that could join the team in the spring uh he didn't go into specifics there but of course speculation by drew myself and most of the free world is that the spring signee will probably be either a power forward or a center and it could be somebody from europe it could be somebody from the junior college ranks it could be somebody we hadn't heard of yet but that's, that was an interesting summary of, of what he uh, what he said yesterday to Tuscaloosa Pitball Club. We've been told, Drew, that there was a scrimmage. Well, we know there was a scrimmage, a secret scrimmage. It was held somewhere in Birmingham against Georgia Tech this past Saturday, which reportedly, according to the Georgia Tech uh, site's website, Georgia Tech supposedly won by 28. Uh, that may or may not be true because they don't typically keep scoring these kind of scrimmages. They they do things like inbounds plays and, you know, you run zone and I run man, that kind of thing, they always even keep score. But it's safe to say that the three guys I mentioned uh, as being injured did not play in that scrimmage, and we don't even think Shannon Hale played very much in the scrimmage. So you can't take away anything by losing a scrimmage to Georgia Tech where the public wasn't even invited to come watch it. Uh, All that being said, uh, I I, I still if they can get these guys healthy and keep them healthy – I've still got a touch of optimism about this squad, Drew.
2: Yeah, I, I think it'll be Coach Grant's best team, 1 through 10, most athletic team. Uh, I'm anxious to see them, even in an exhibition game against Montevallo. It's a pretty good Division two team, a uh, good program, much like UAH, who they played two years in a row that gave them, you know, big-time fight. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've even been thinking about trying to attend that game, carry. I don't know if you're going to cover that game. I uh, can't because i got to play that night. Ah, so you're playing in your league. My, my,
3: my league is Final Four that night, and we uh, we won our quarterfinal game this past Monday night. So uh, oh, the six gotcha. foot four, 56-year-old um, forward will be in action, possibly for a doubleheader Monday night. Oh, win, look out. If we win at 630, we'd have to play game at 830. And most of our team is in their 50s. So that will be very hard. But <laughs> we're playing the number one seed at 630, so there's no guarantee we'll have a second game. So but now I can I can't make it Monday and I'm I'm quite disappointed that the SEC network or somebody yeah, isn't, televising, isn't it. televising it. But uh, because the SEC network exists, people like WBUA and Tuscaloosa can't televise it anymore. So yeah, the Towson that's, that's, game yeah. the Towson game Friday night is also not on any kind of T V. Yeah. And uh then there's one more game uh in November or December, I forget which it's not televised. But every other game besides those three are going to be on TV. But I won't even be able to see anything but highlights. I, if you do go, I hope you can give me a full wrap-up. It would be great to have somebody on, on BAM's Wednesday night that saw it, but I can't see it. I'm not even sure I'll be able to do the Towson game. It's going to depend on high school playoffs and what Kirkman there needs me to do and all that. But I'm not sure I'll be able to go to either game next week. I'm really hoping to go to Towson because it was cold as hell at that Barwood game I was at this <laughs> past Friday night when I was scouting Malik Miller and On Johnson. Um and the Troxel kid, the left tackle the sophomore. But so uh, they did have him playing O line now. Yeah, they, they got play, him back. We're in seventy eight and uh there's actually an football. article about Troxel this week on AL dot com. Yeah. Uh, a real a real good article. And uh they've got quotes about and he's even telling people he's never gonna play anything but tackle again. This kid okay. is 6'8", uh two hundred and seventy five pounds in the tenth grade. His last name's Troxel. Remind me his first
2: name. Uh it's uh it, I think it's Adam Troxel, I believe. Okay. But let me let me double check it. I, I don't know that's right because I don't have the name in front of me right now. But I've oh you know,
3: my bad. Okay, I didn't mean to put you on the
2: spot. No, that's all right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I did. But uh,
3: but, uh his, yeah. Anyway, his
2: name is Matt Troxell. I know his dad, but yeah, uh, he's uh, he I mean, he he's he's got a bright future. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, I I've seen I saw the kid when he was in eighth grade and he was six six and had uh, been basically sitting out that year playing a little bit of JV, and he's got the frame. I mean, and, uh... it was
3: the funniest thing that happened at the game, Drew. Rick Burgess, the Birmingham radio personality, was there, and he had us all believing that Sadie Robertson was there.
2: Oh,
1: okay.
3: Uh You know, she's doing Dancing with Stars right now, and I'm thinking, how the hell would she be able to come to this game? But he had us all believing it, so I wasted most of the first half trying to get my picture made with somebody who wasn't there. <laughs> and then, But while I'm on the Madison Academy side of the field, a young man comes up to me and says and I not say young, I mean an elementary school kid. Right and said, Sir, are you a reporter? And I said, Well huh. yes I am and I guess he saw my press pass, I'm mean, a smart kid. But anyway, um and I said, Yes I am He said, well, I just want you to know that number seventy eight out there on, on on that team in white uh, I said, Yeah, he's going to Auburn. <laughs> and I said Okay, well, I will put that down and uh,
2: Austin Troxell, my bad.
3: Austin, yes, I just found it too. Austin Troxel, six eight two forty five, tenth grade. But well, I am told that uh, that he's also a very talented basketball player, and he may not even play end up playing college
2: football. But well, he'll uh, you know, uh, play college football. I'll, I'll say this: he's improving as a basketball player. Uh, p- played a few minutes as a freshman. Uh, played a much bigger role last year as a as a, behind a young man that's now playing at Harding University uh who had a really good senior year at Madison Academy but uh the bottom line is is that uh I think really if you if you think if you look at it he'll probably start this will be his first year starting in basketball he's got some potential but based upon his frame and just you know, the length of his arms and just how and he'll be able to should be able to carry 300 pounds with no problem. Uh, I would be shocked if he's not an offensive tackle in the SEC if he continues to develop because Austin Troxel has a lot of ability. Um, they I know they they wanted him to they 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 they, they brought him along slowly last year. He's still kind of growing into his body, and then that's why this year the first original part of the plan was through the spring and early season was to have him at tight end. Obviously, he's he's made some progress. And now they've got him uh, at tackle. Obviously, I told you about Will Dye, number 71, who transferred last year from Gurley. He's been getting some looks at, at a 1AA level, and I think he's definitely a college lineman as well. I, I would imagine he's the other OT for academy. He was playing OT Against uh, Leeds, but I'll tell you this: Troxel, I believe, played tight end against Leeds, but I have not seen him since then. So, as you said last week against No, Barrett, the
3: article in the paper made it clear that he had been moved back to left tackle from tight end. Yeah, You're right, he was playing tight end early in the year.
2: Right, he was he is now a
3: left tackle, and he says he's there to stay. He feels like that's his position. Uh, and I will tell you, the guy that really uh, on Johnson is a great football player. Oh, yeah. he, he was probably the best football player on the on the field. I'm not going to lie, he probably was. He made great. Uh, he made a great hit on a kickoff to separate a guy from the ball. He made mm-hmm. some great open field tackles at safety. He had a couple of good runs. He had a screen pass for a touchdown. But the guy that really jumped out to me was uh, a guy who's Alabama and Auburn both trying to get junior running back slash linebacker played well at both. I am now officially now that I've seen the person Drew. I am a Malik Miller fan.
2: Yeah, I think he's a perfect you know guy. To, a combo back. At like, he's he's like Johnson, Johnson Fowler. Yeah, yeah. he's. That's I've always he is. thought that. I've always been high on him. him. I think he I think he fits Alabama's scheme better than he does Auburn because truthfully he only runs about a four seven at best. He doesn't have tremendous breakaway speed, but he plays physical as you saw him at linebacker. He doesn't mind mixing it up. He uh, loves
3: contact on offense and
2: defense. The only his only issue at linebacker he's only about five eleven. But but the one good thing about Malik is he slimmed down. He got up to about two fifty at the end of last year. Still brought the wood in the playoffs and into the off season. But he told me after the Leeds game when I did my report on that that he had I, we I did a story on him and then that that game story he had lost weight and I told him I said man you look slimmer and he said yeah I've gotten down to about two twenty 220 and two twenty five and I can sustain better and I just think he's a beast. And he will be one of the top five prospects in the state next year, and it'll be a war. Alabama, Auburn is, uh, you know, wanting him badly. Jeremy Pruitt started sniffing around from Georgia, and uh, Vanderbilt. Jordan Matthews has been pushing Vandy, but I think in the end it's going to be an Alabama Auburn battle. It's going to be interesting. I thought I think that that what that kid told you is interesting as well. I know that Auburn's already had Troxel in for a visit. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, what Alabama does and uh, if they start recruiting the young man.
3: It will. And before we close the show, I realize we're a few minutes uh, over, but before we close the show, uh, Derek Brown of Lanier High in Sugar Hill, Georgia, who I scouted a couple weeks ago, was the best player I've seen all year. Made a trip this past weekend to Mississippi State for their very unimpressive home win over Arkansas. On his way home, uh, his mom sent me a Facebook message. They stopped in Tuscaloosa. And I'm not 100% a- uh-huh. sure how it went, but he definitely got hosted by Bo Davis and Lance Thompson and saw some of the campus and some of the facilities and things like that. So Alabama's in the mix. Georgia is the leader for Derrick Brown. Uh, State is in the mix because his parents went there and because Mullen's turned the program around. But mo- most people listening to the show know that Mullen's going to be at Sargentville next year. So I'm not going not gonna to put – but if his mom and dad did go to State. But Alabama's in it. Uh you know, if he had a top five, Alabama would be in it. He doesn't have a top five, but right now he's got about a top ten. But Alabama's in it because of the fact they play great defense. And uh they've shown him some love and he is the best player I've seen this year, Derek Brown, defensive in Year High School Sugar Hill. Georgia may even see him again in a couple weeks. I'm not sure we're gonna see how far they go in the playoffs. But
2: uh
3: we probably need to go ahead and, and, and wrap the show up now. Drew, any final thoughts about the L S U game?
2: Well, I just think uh, if Alabama plays a clean game and doesn't turn the football over and attacks LSU as they should, I think the better team will win. I think Alabama will win. I don't. I know it's tough at night in Red Stick, but Alabama's been there, done that. This is old hat, you know, since 2008. Uh, that's what a lot of people aren't really talking about, Kerry. Uh, Alabama's won two of the three meetings in Red Stick since Saban came back. That's something that <laughs> it's, they tend to just uh, kind of forget. But, and, yeah, but you know, they were nail biters. Yes, since 2010 was as well, and most all of these games in this series 2007, 2008, 2009, all of them, all of them have been nail biters. There was the I think.
3: one beatdown that was in the dome.
2: Yeah, in, in a bowl game, so in the national championship game. So I don't think it'll be any different. I think it'll be a war, but I think it's a war Alabama can win. I'm like you. I think Alabama's going to be ready to play. And and one last thing for me. Uh, my plans as of right now, I, they could change, but I'm going to try to head out to Calera Friday and get a hold Me of it too. To, to see somebody. I wondered if that's where you were going to head because I want I, to. The, the kid doesn't answer the phone, doesn't really have a phone, and uh, film is scarce of him. I just kind of like to see to share Here's his flowers. Yes,
3: Thomas. Thomas, the football icons of the AHSAA have sent Biger to Calera. Merely a 20-minute drive for me and then, I don't know, an hour-and-a-half drive for Drew. So, yeah, I hope you come, man. We'll have some uh, – tell you what, I hope it's not as cold as it was this past Friday. (laughs) It was like 46, 47 degrees at Broadwood Christian, but the wind never stopped. It was just torment. (laughs) But uh, hopefully at least we'll get a break from the wind Friday night. I think it'll be a little milder. Hope to see you there, and we'll definitely see you next week on BAM's Radio, for Drew D'Armond of Alabama Intel, for Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama. I am Kerry Clark of BAMAMag.com, signing off on another edition of BAM's Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio Network.